everyone. This podcast is brought to you by Global Shop Solutions ERP Software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined by the great Cooper Kine and the wonderful Stone Hanson. And you guys are once again going to be getting two pods in one day, so uh, be thankful for the work we're putting in. Uh, no, but uh, in all seriousness, um, this is, yeah, this is, I mean, this will be the second pod released in this day, and, and it's another scout pod. Uh, again, we really love doing these. We want to try and get, as crazy as it sounds, this will probably be dropping the 8th, so in 15 days before the draft, we want to try and get five more of these out. So um, we'll see how that goes. One will probably drop the day before the draft. And then our mock draft, big extravaganza thing, probably drops the day of the draft, if I were to guess. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Honestly, I, I honestly don't even know. Uh, it's all a jumbled mess at this point. But that's what's exciting. And we're going to dive into sort of some uh, funky kind of wing guys who – I think we, I wish I would have hit on some of these guys earlier, but um, we sort of wanted to make sure these guys were actually in this draft and, and all that stuff. And uh, we're getting to them now. And, and uh, there's definitely some funk to be had here. So before we get too into it, Coopstone, my friends, how you doing? Uh, doing well, waking up bright and early for this pod. Um, but it's been a while since we've chopped it up with some evaluation. So should we get to, to get into it yeah we had the uh the, the technopocalypse over here at upside swings for a few days but we've we've gotten that solved uh finally able to get in another scouting pod uh really excited haven't you know haven't talked to you guys in in person in like three days that's like a record over the last month so but i i'm excited this is gonna be a fun one lots of interesting guys lots of interesting weird we need bets so top right in yeah, absolutely. And let's just do it. And we're going to start with Colorado State's David Roddy. Um, Roddy is interesting. So Roddy is 21 years old and just sort of recently turned 21. So uh, he's going to be, you know, his, his rookie year will be his age 21 season. Um, and he put up stats that were pretty, pretty impressive this year. Um, after kind of, you know, splitting off the bench starting duties his freshman year, Took a step his sophomore year and then really took a step up this year. 19.2 points per game on 57, 43, 69 shooting splits. Uh, only 21% from a 50, 40, 90 season. Um, uh, eight total rebounds, you know, 2.9 assists, 2.3 turnovers um, with some impressive, like really, really impressive advanced numbers. 64.5% true shooting one of the most efficient players in college basketball, um, a uh, 21% defensive rebound rate and a 7.4% offensive rebound rate, 19.8 assist percentage to a 13% uh, turnover percentage, 2.1 steal rate, 4.2 block rate. Uh, again, and, and he's so – there are some questions about his size, and then he came into the um, – he came into the draft and, and came in at – or the draft combine, excuse me, you know, he's 6'4.5, just okay. You know, 6'6 six, six in shoes is, is somewhat fair. An inch and a half might be a little, might be stretching it a little bit, but um, his wingspan is 6'11. He's a good athlete. Just overall, like a, just a really solid, I don't like, like just a really solid frame, some stuff to build on. Um, and I think the place to start with him is sort of, his funky version of creation, right? Like he is, 
one of the probably later in this draft bets to maybe be like a tertiary tertiary creator on a starting unit, which it has its value. Um, and, and Coop, I'll throw this to you. We'll get into whether or not we believe he can be that tertiary creator in a little bit, but could you just kind of describe the tools in which he creates, like the shots he likes to get to, just in general, sort of his scoring and creation package? So a lot of it's going to be self-created shots out of the mid-range and at the rim. Uh, like the, the mid-range is kind of the counter to just getting right to the rim uh, off the dribble. We'll sometimes get to step backs. and it's The, the step back's a little hit or miss. And I, the efficiency wasn't great on a lot of the self-created jumpers, but, you know, getting into them, it's an area that he can grow, maybe get to us to break glass in case of emergency type thing. Uh, just great at forcing his way with his strength into that low post area. Rampaines, uh really controlled, really composed down there and is able to get putbacks at a super high rate because he doesn't just fling his body into defenders. Uh, you know, he has solid post moves down there, can fake people out of their shoes. Just a really weird, almost throwbacky type of, uh, of creation that you don't really see. I think it's kind of unorthodox, but combined with a lot of his off-ball stuff and his ability to, like, shoot from, like, shoot off-ball or a little bit off of relocation, that kind of stuff, I think really... Uh, opens it up as kind of like just an extra little icing on the icing on the cake type thing. Uh, it's just really weird. It's a lot of strength based rim and mid range based uh, creation. Yeah. So I, I thought Roddy's creation was really, really fun. Um, I, I really just enjoyed how he uses his strength functionally. And he's also like a really good athlete. Like, we kind of see Tubby dude and we expect him to be slow, but I thought he was like, like had like a really solid first step and he can get up off one or two for, for some impressive dunks. And, and we'll talk about the defense where he uses that vertical athleticism as well. Um, I think he, um, he, he doesn't have like a super developed handle, like it's kind of loose, but it is like, manipulative for what that like like he can hit moves that shake defenders even if when he's dribbling in traffic he's kind of turning it over sometimes or forced to pick up like it, in one-on-one situations specifically like he is great at um you know like really shifting his weight from one leg to the other very quickly and then dropping a shoulder getting into the chest of the defender and finishing um i think uh, the step back actually is something I, I really buy. Um, again, he shot uh, he shot 43.8% from three, 3.4 attempts per game. That doesn't sound like super high volume. These were a lot of, like, he took a lot of pull-up step back threes, like, and shot that percentage. And I know the free throw might bother some people, but I think the form looks solid. It's kind of a wide base, but uh, he gets into it quickly. Uh, I, I, I think he can, like, really shoot. And I, I don't know, I think that's a good baseline to build off of, right? Like you talk about sort of can really shoot, uh, especially off the dribble. I think the off the catch stuff maybe needs some work with the shot prep, though the shot prep isn't horrible. Um, but I liked how it looked off the dribble, uses his strength well, can manipulate his body. 
just does some just has some funk to him um i think uh like his post stuff is good that's the type of thing i don't think will really translate though if he could like get to a point where he's mobile enough to play the two maybe it could but i i as we'll talk about when we get to the defense i don't think that's like incredibly likely um i just think like he does a lot of funky stuff as a score that i that i like and that i also buy as translatable um start off this to you uh do you have anything else you want to add with the scoring and if not could you kind of give us how he creates as a passer yeah so funk master roddy is uh pretty interesting in terms of how he does create uh, a lot of it is strength based because he does have that bulky frame and against a lot of matchups he's able to sort of utilize that um <clears throat> i mean he's basically like a power forward um that's in shooting guard height but he uh uses the strength very well i think um i think he's a pretty good passer to cutters uh he he tends to find them as he's cutting too sometimes which is interesting uh but generally it's stuff that happens a lot like that's sort of right in front of him he's not making like you know super complex reads or anything a lot of it are plays that are developing um like right in front of what he's doing so it makes it sort of easier to make those reads uh but nonetheless i mean it's still it's fine passing um i think he's an okay ball handler i wouldn't say he's good necessarily but he's not like a liability either it's sort of just like fine to me um which is which is fine for you know his his size and build um being not debilitating as a ball handler is a plus i guess uh and i think that he uh overall like it's just decent to me all around um as a playmaker i think um he's not necessarily bad or anything but he's not like a super positive either so that's why i sort of do I uh, think that the the tertiary sort of creator role is an appropriate label for him. I think his delivery on passes is the most impressive part of his passing. Like the reads themselves are pretty simple for the most part. Uh, solid kickout guy, like you were talking about with cutters, he'll make a lot of those like over the shoulder whip passes uh, that he's pretty good at because it allows him to use his body to create space, uh, able to do them off of movement or from a standstill. Uh, I think a lot of his passing in college came from the post where he was able to kind of scan the floor. And like Bryce was talking about, I'm not sure about the translatability there, but uh, I'm just really intrigued. I think his best playmaking in the NBA is going to come as a short role player who's able to get downhill and just make reads in space. Uh, Something that I didn't see a ton of, but you could see like, like you didn't see that directly, but you saw a lot of the aspects that like a lot of things that would translate to short roll passing, like hitting cutters on the move, uh, hitting guys out of the post, being able to scan the floor. I think all of that's translatable to the short roll game and having that passable handle, solid size, solid finishing package. I think that short roll big who can play make is kind of his, his role as a playmaker. He is able to, uh, he loves getting into that sort of like, six foot one footed turnaround jumper that that the Nikola Jovic special um and he loves being able to pass out of that so he leverages that aspect of his scoring pretty well yeah uh I uh, yeah he definitely like that turnaround is like fucking money like like I seriously his efficiency is insane when you consider I mean so he had a 
a 28.8% usage doesn't sound insane, but he was really the only guy on, on Colorado state who could consistently just kind of go get a bucket, right? Like, like I like Isaiah Stevens a lot as a point guard, he needs a screen and he's usually looking to kind of slow things down and, and kind of make plays out of the pick and roll. If Colorado state needed something, they were going to go to Roddy anywhere. And he kind of had to learn to be comfortable ISOing on the block. He had to be comfortable ISOing sort of in the mid post area above the break. Like, like he had to kind of, he was kind of forced to be comfortable in different ways. And you could kind of see him develop as the season went on. Um, I'm definitely with Coop where Love the delivery on passes. Don't necessarily love the processing. I think some of it is still that bit of he's he was kind of learning how to play the role he had to play this year. The the touch with his right hand is just insane, whether that be on floaters or finishes around the rim. Or for me, what really stood out was passes. Like like his like one hand cross court skips are are mesmerizing at times. Like he sees that, and lots of times it's schemed. Like Colorado State would run that where they set they would set a purposeful hammer scheme uh hammer screen as um Roddy was sort of driving middle so then the shooter could drop from the wing to the corner wide open like that's a schemed pass but he makes that pass really well and that's like a harder like like a lot of guys would kind of stop and throw that you know two-handed and just being able to whip that with one hand is impressive um i think the the sort of issues I have is just in general and and this goes for defense too is just I think the processing is maybe a step behind where I wanted it to be I really like a lot of the stuff he can do and and he does he plays with zero of that academy brain stuff like he is just doing anything he can you know like and and it worked like it it really did he was great at, at what he did this year but um there's just sometimes where it's like I wish he would see passes a couple seconds earlier or, you know, he kind of missed passes I wish he could see. Or, like, I feel like he sometimes didn't recognize when he had created an advantage. Like, he'd kind of spin middle. And then instead of just – excuse me, sorry. Instead of just going up for, for a shot or for kind of sending himself, he kind of turned back and, and get into this back to the basket with no dribble, which is just, like, uh, that for me, like, that's what drives me nuts. Like, whenever a post player has, like – they picked up their dribble, but their back is to the basket. So now they're just kind of like trying to do these shoulder shimmies to get a shot off and drives me nuts. But, you know, he could obviously score out of that fine, but like things have got to kind of um, tick up there. But in general, I think, especially as a third, like if he's your third guy, I think he can be really, really good at that. Cause I think he can shoot. I think he can pass and I think he can score getting downhill. I think there's a lot of funk there. A lot of stuff I buy. Coop, I wanted to throw this to you and ask you, what did you kind of think of David Roddy as like an off-ball player? Like, I, I have quite a few notes, uh, maybe surprisingly, on his off-ball offense. So I wanted to ask you sort of what did you think of, of how he played off the ball? I thought that the off-ball shooting was probably the most impressive part of his off-ball game, other than like crashing the boards and getting putbacks and stuff like that. But uh, like he has a solid understanding of angles, he doesn't just stand around. He knows when to just sit in the corner or park himself in the corner. Uh, and he hits those shots at a super high clip. Like he's a really good off ball shooter. And I think that sort of gives him the baseline, uh, you know, as that kind of a player. Uh, he gets 
like there's there's some shots where he'll get contested and then it'll be awful and then there's also times where it's like oh my god the touch is insane and he is completely crowded and will just shoot over them uh as a spot up guy it's just really really interesting i think and then his ability to just sort of put on the jets and throw his body into the paint and grab offensive boards get putbacks i think the that sort of gives him that wing baseline that uh you know as a player that'll keep him on the floor uh, you know ensure he gets playing time and makes it really easy for an nba team to be like oh he can go on hit spot ups do some cutting do some some putback do some little glue guy stuff and then maybe the rest of the game will come as he grows and the handle matures he gets a little bit better in those areas yeah and, and like we mentioned you know you mentioned the game matures it's like despite being a junior he's not like super old like there i think there's definitely room for him to develop here um it's it's hard not to as we sort of are kind of getting into as i kind of want to hit on what we think he is because we talk about funk and at a certain point you have to kind of define where someone is it's hard not to see some of that like desmond bain in his game you know like if you replaced muscle for for chunk like i i just and and he's not that right like they're very different players but like i think your goal with roddy eventually is that he can become like a truly elite shooter um who can who can just he can make passes he can score for himself if needed run the occasional backside pick and roll i just like honestly I guess what I'm getting at is I just really, really, really like Roddy offensively. Like, I just think he is a very good offensive player and you kind of just like have to figure out what his role, like, I don't think he needs to be defined as he's a small ball five. So he has to be setting screens. And, you know, like we mentioned, like, like, you know, Stone said, he's, he's kind of like a four in a two guard size body. And while I agree with that in some ways, I also think like he has the skills to play, you know, the two, probably more like the three at the NBA level. It's kind of different, but um, like, I I don't think he's like, I I just, I don't know. Like, I just really, I really, really bought his offense. So Coop, I guess uh, I'll throw this to you. Like, do you have any final notes on his offense? And and then what do you sort of project him as on that end? I, the last real note I have is that I think he's the kind of guy who, if he gets a mismatch, he's going to get, like post touches in the NBA, uh, just pounding that guy down low because of the counters he has, because of the skills he has, uh, can clean up his own misses, the footwork on that end. I think that's something that you can, like it's just a a nice little counter. And I think Roddy's role on offense, I think for where he is right now, I think he's like a a change of pace forward wing, that, you know, maybe comes off your bench, can hit some shots, uh, do a lot of the glue guy type stuff, but then also gives you some interesting offense options if, you know, oh, the the opposing team's bench unit is running three guards that are all pretty small. Uh, oh, look, we have Hal Neto on, on David Roddy, time for a free two points and probably the free throw. Uh, and then add in like that short roll big utility who can also pop, he's able to play basically the the two through four on any given possession, depending on the lineup. It just gives you like some people, maybe you see kind of like a tweener, you know, six, six, not big enough to be a forward, too thick to be a two. Uh, But in the modern game, that's just somebody who you throw on the court 
And it, the position isn't really a thing. He just does things that are good for your basketball team uh, on both ends. But like on offense, the, the ability to just have counters, but also a solid baseline as an off-ball player, rebounder, put-back guy uh, who maybe can do a little bit of creation and connective passing. There's just a little bit of everything. And like no team is like, oh, David Roddy's not going to fit as long as you, you know, you don't have the most boring coach in the entire world, you know? So I, I think it's just super, super utility, uh, Swiss army knife with elite potential in a few key areas. Yeah. And I think there's positional versatility there too. Like I said, I think he's skilled enough to be like a three, two. I think you can put him at the four because he's strong enough. And then you know, like we, you know, like Evan brought up in our uh, second team preview pod this year. Like, I just think, uh, I just think like even small ball five is there. I don't know. It's funky. He's just funky. Uh, Stone, where are you at with sort of wrapping up Roddy's offense? Yeah, I think uh, he's, I mean, basically if you put a four and a two in a blender, um, maybe a three is sort of the middle ground there. Um, he, uh is he's so funky some of it is difficult for me I'm just I had a lot of trouble figuring out exactly to what degree everything translates to in the NBA but I think taking that bet somewhere in the second is worthwhile because um there's not a lot of times that you just sort of see what Roddy does and the sort of build that he has um I do think that uh with he's one guy I mean we say this with a lot of guys but with like added spacing I think that's something that can really benefit Roddy because uh, I do think that he uh, can get to the rim more um, because he like I said he he can I think create a lot with that strength that he does have so um, being able to get into more driving lanes in the NBA is something I think that uh, I would hope for and, and I think will benefit him in his game um, and overall offensively, yeah, like it's just a, it's sort of just a, <laughs> it feels like you're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall and hoping, you know, three or things stick or something uh, out of the amount of darts that you sort of have with Roddy um, and his offense. So uh, I think that that's a bet that I would be willing to take somewhere in the second. Yeah, uh, let's move on to his defense. Um and his defense is what really kind of worried me because I think small ball five, I think, you know, sort of cerebral offensive player. Um, I kind of expect certain things on defense and I just like, it just wasn't there. And I had the same thing to a, to a different type of degree when I watched Fabian white this year um, for um, a deep dive I did on him where it's like to be a small ball five there, you have to be kind of, there has to be very specific things you do. And uh, I didn't think Fabian White did them as much as I wanted. And I think Roddy's kind of the same way. So I'll kind of just go through what I thought his big strengths and weaknesses were. And then I think Coop and Stone can kind of hit on it uh, from there. Something he's really good at is rotations is the low man. Like he is actually like a solid bat at like a secondary rim protector, I think. He's also, like I said, a great vertical athlete. Can get up off one or two. Uh, good at sort of timing blocks. Again, like for someone who is six, four and a half to have a 4.2 block rate is pretty impressive though. I will say at least some of that is because Colorado state specifically schemed to keep him around the rim. 
um, which I think is good and bad. Like, I think it's it's because he was the best at it on that team, so they did it. It's the same with Tari Easton, right? It's like just because a team put him in that situation doesn't mean he can't do other things. But, you know, unlike Tari, who, like, obviously was great at uh, the other things and the times he did get to do them, uh, I didn't think David Roddy was. I thought his on-ball defense was really disappointing, like super flat-footed, really slow to drop his hips. I did not like the on-ball D much at all. Don't think he uses his length well on ball. Can can handle in the post all right. Like he can handle post ups very well, very strong, uses his length well in the post. But uh, on the ball, he kind of gambles to try and make up for his lack of foot speed. Uh, and, and again, he's kind of he, like he's really like sitting on his heels almost like when you're up in perimeter defense, you're kind of supposed to be on your toes, sort of bouncing your legs, kind of get being active. He just doesn't really do that, I think. Um, and then I think a lot of the off ball stuff that it, when he's not the low man is kind of hit or miss. He can be a step behind plays quite a bit. Um, he can he can kind of ball watch. He can uh, sometimes man watch where he's like only looking at his man. And I don't like how he zones up the weak side. I just like pretty much all everything on defense other than low man rotations, help side rim protection stuff, and then the occasional pick and roll coverage. But even then, like I didn't love him. You know, they tried to hedge him in the pick and roll. I didn't think he executed that well. They tried to kind of have him in like an ice. He didn't execute that very well. Um, again, being flat-footed really hurts him in those situations too. Um, you know, and I don't think like as good of a leaper as I think he is, I don't think he's good at jumping out of a backpedal and he's still small. So it's not like he can be like a drop small ball five or anything. Like he's not like Eve Ponds where it's like, yeah, Eve Ponds, you could be, you could have him be your drop small ball five if you want. Cause like, it just doesn't matter. He's just a nutty vertical athlete. Like that's not quite Roddy. So I just, I just came away very, very disappointed in the defense uh, with some few shining bright spots. And I think maybe the upside, because I like the feel on offense, maybe that can translate to defense. Um, Coop, I'll throw this to you. Kind of, what did you think of, of uh, Roddy's defense? So I think that, I, I really liked it, actually. I, I really liked the contests at the rim. I think he's super uh, unorthodox as a rim protector, but I think that it works. Uh, he uses his strength and his basically nearly perfect verticality to contest basically anything that comes within six feet of the rim. Uh, sometimes the rotations will be like, half like literally like a quarter of a second a bit like slower than I want them to be where it looks like uh the recognition is a little bit slow but his ability to just burst over there get right over there and stay vertical just bothers everyone it bothers every single person that goes uh near the rim I liked his ability to play like I liked how he would blitz I thought he blitzed pick and rolls really well especially against smaller ball handlers, not super NBA. Uh, it's not super NBA translatable, but we've talked about how it, being able to blitz is really just a lot more about your athleticism than anything. But he also just has really good recognition of where his man is and uh, how to recover to him without giving up the pass. Uh, I thought he stunted well, made great rotations, was good at directing guys to where they need to go. I didn't, he got blown by too much. Like <laughs> by guys who he should not be getting blown by by because of that athleticism. Uh, but the thing that really stood out to me that I think is able to make him a small ball five is that he was really smart as a charge drawer. 
uh, like he was really able to get his body uh, in smart positions whenever it would always be in situations where he had that extra quarter half of a second to make that recognition and, and make that play. But I think the fact that he's able to make these reads at such a high level as a rim protector at 21 as a young junior really bodes well for his future. I think that's a, a pretty positive indicator uh, that, you know, even if he's not able to play a traditional drop, most small ball fives really don't play traditional drop unless you're like Bam Adebayo or something like that. And Bam's just a five. <laughs> like he's not a small ball five. Uh, like small ball is made for switching. It's made for weirdo players doing weirdo stuff and to make the most of your weird ass players. And I think Roddy fits that really, really well. And he'll grow, I think he's going to grow into that. Uh, he's also the king of box outs. Uh, him and somebody else who we're going to talk about later are just box out machines and are really able to use their bodies and, uh, and their size to keep guys off the boards. Yeah, I think defensively is sort of where you saw the uh, limitations and negative effects of this sort of thick frame that Roddy does have. Um, <clears throat> he's not able to flip his hips quickly. He's not able to stick with guys on ball, uh, like Bryce is saying. But I, I actually think I'm a bit more positive in terms of what he did as um, a big man defender, the way that Colorado kind of used him. Uh, I think that they used him in his idealistic role, honestly, because um, I think that's probably where you get the last, the least amount of negative uh, attributes of Roddy's defense is when you put him in more big man situations. Um, <clears throat> that's where sort of the, the four of it all comes into play because um, he has that body to really absorb contact very well. Uh, the wingspan um, to, I thought he was, a pretty decent um, shot blocker for, especially for his size. But um, I thought he did well a lot of times uh, coming like sneaking behind guys and getting a block from behind. Um, I thought that he was really good at um, being able to stay vertical and not like uh, putting his hands down too much or, or, or going into guys. So I just think that overall that's sort of the idealistic position to sort of limit the um negative parts of Roddy's defense uh so Colorado did a good job there and I think that whatever NBA team drafts him would be right in putting him in that same sort of situation yeah I I think I think that's about all I have on Roddy um I came away just I think he's someone who I like and he's someone who sort of teeters on first round grade for me um he might he might end up as a second but if so he's going to be my top second round target uh well him or my not would be my top second round targets probably but i really enjoyed his tape i thought he was very very solid um i think i have my issues with um i i have my issues with the defense but i think if you could find a way to have him play the four on defense and the two on offense you might have something and that funk just might be worth taking in the first round in a draft like this i don't know how many guys i'm going to end up having ranked ahead of him even if i do give him a second round grade he, he's probably at this point it's almost likely he's going to end up um as a uh first rounder for me numbers wise so that does take me to someone who I think is maybe a little less likely to end up at that uh, first round area. 
Uh, and that's Keon Ellis from Alabama. Ellis sort of um, had an interesting year, uh, low usage guy on an Alabama team that was good, not great. For some reason, Alabama could beat good teams and they just could not get past like bottom tier SEC teams. Like they lost a ton of like really like head scratching losses, but then they beat Kentucky and they would beat um, like, I think they beat LSU. Like they could beat good teams. Um, So Ellis's stat line this year, he is 22 years old and his rookie season will be his age 22 season, but he will turn 23 halfway through that season. So something to kind of keep in mind there start his career at Florida Southwestern state, which I believe is Juco, but might be like D2 or or, or something like that might be an AI. I'm honestly, I don't know. And I feel bad for not knowing, but uh, slowly developed there, got on Alabama last year, played kind of limited minutes, only started seven games. And this year started in 33 of 33 games, played 30.1 minutes or 31 minutes, basically Um, averaged only 12 points on 43.9, 36.6, 88.1 shooting splits, 6.1 rebounds per game, 1.8 assists, 1.9 steals, really solid, only 1.6 turnovers, not bad, kind of low, just low usage guy on offense, like 17.1 usage on offense, really, you know, that's just kind of indicative of the position he is. Um, 1.9% block rate, 3.4% uh, steal rate, only a 10.2% uh, assist rate and a 14% turnover rate. Um, nothing else really pops 61.4 true shooting, pretty solid, uh, pretty solid stuff there from your sort of uh, kind of connecting wing. I think some of the worry with Ellis came from the combine. Um, he was listed at 6'6 throughout his college career. Um, I think a lot of his prospect dumb was made on that 6'6 ranking. Uh, and it turns out he's 6'3 and a half. Um, he does have a 6'8 and a half wingspan. So a plus five wingspan, really, really solid. Um, but sort of that height does sort of draw into quote. Like it makes it like he is only two and he's already been skinny. He's like, he's like 170 pounds or something like that. Like he's really skinny, um, but it makes stories only a two. And, and if you're only a two, you have to be just better at things. So I, I think the place I want to start is what he does on offense. And again, because that low usage, that's mostly as an off ball scorer. So Coop, I'll throw this to you. What did you think of, of Ellis's kind of off ball scoring in general? It was great when he was uh, spotting up uh, and he played on an Alabama team that was elite at generating high level spot up shots uh, and then whenever he was able to move without the ball in his hands and cut and just not have to dribble, grab offensive boards, get putbacks, get easy layups, uh, play off of guys like Shackelford and uh, Javon Quinterly, I, I, he looked great. And then, uh, I mean, I, I do like how you split it up into on, or I guess off. It's just off because the on ball is horrendous. Um, the, anytime he has the ball, he makes poor decisions. He should not be dribbling. He's out of control. For a guy who played college at four years, he just looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, anytime he, he has the ball in his hands, I think he makes fine connective passes. He shoots well. He fills space really well. Can grab some offensive boards and shoot spot-ups. 
but that's that's really about it. I, like on, on the offensive end, there's just not much else. There's no creation. There's no advantage creation, no real advantage, like taking advantage of the advantages created. Uh, he's just super simple on offense. So it's, it's just tough. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's basically the sell is he's a really good catch and shoot shooter. I think who, uh, has good hands defensively, um, and is a okay, uh, off ball defender. And that's, that's pretty much key on Ellis. Like, I, I think that, um, it's a very simplistic sell. Um, and it's something that is valuable, but not at a very high pick. So, um, he, I think that he's going to be probably ranked lower for me, probably all of us, um, than most people but he does I think he is in my opinion one of the better catch and shoot guys in this class um for whatever that's worth it's just that he doesn't do much else outside of that offensively so um yeah it's a pretty I think this is going to be a uh a short evaluation with him (laughs) yeah probably I'll go a little deeper um I like the shot okay i think it's really really good on just pure clean spot ups not super bothered by contests doesn't struggle to get into a rhythm uh but i don't feel comfortable projecting him as like a super high level shooter uh i don't think he can shoot off movement um he has this weird thing where every time he catches he catches with a wider base and steps into it which is fine in in sort of like a normal sense but as he does that he sort of brings the right knee towards the left knee and bends that right leg to sort of, I I don't even know why he does it, but, and it kind of twists his whole body and he shoots sort of like off his right shoulder, not like in front of his face, if that makes sense. It's hard to even explain without video. I posted clips of it. Maybe I'll uh, put one in the description of this pod so you guys can click on it and, and see what I'm talking about. But um, I did not just, I just didn't love the, uh, I, I didn't love the form, and that doesn't mean he's not going to be a good shooter. I think he's going to be a good shooter. I don't think it's a form that's conducive to movement. And anytime he did introduce any sort of movement into that shot, it missed wildly. Like his misses on movement shots were not like like projectable misses, right? They were hard clanks off the back rim, completely missing left, touching glass. Like it's just like all kinds of bad misses. Um, so I'm not like, I think he'll be a good shooter if you can get him a lot of quarter spot ups or even above the break spot ups. But as soon as you're running plays for him to get threes, it doesn't work. And that's why like Alabama did not run plays for him to get threes unless he was really, really hot, which, you know, all good shooters can get really hot and hit the occasional movement three, but, um, that's kind of about it for him. Uh, I did like how he attacked closeouts okay. I like he's very adept at attacking the front foot of um, of the defender and sort of getting downhill. Um, he cannot dribble uh, at all, but he does do some funky stuff with pickup points um, kind of to compensate for that. And it works sometimes. It doesn't work other times. I like his passing reads okay out of those situations um, because, you know, a lot of teams send like, three guys to stop a you know a someone who can't finish from attacking a closeout that's not going to happen in the NBA but for what it's worth at this point I think 
Um, I, I, I like his passing moves out of that, but yeah, limited is, is the term there. Just like he is definitely like a, th- almost like a three, four on offense. Like, because you usually ask your shooting guard to do more than what he's going to do. He is like someone who is purely a spot up guy. who can attack some closeouts. I think he could be a good cutter. Alabama lots of times played with two bigs and, and they didn't run a system that was conducive to him, like cutting a ton because Javon Quinterly, basically all he does is get downhill and Jaden Shackelford can't make those passes to cutters. So it's like he pretty much, if he was trying to cut, he's not going to get rewarded and it's just going to draw someone uh, to the ball handler. But there's, a, I, I, there's some stuff there. I think it's just, you have to understand it's going to be low usage. And if you're going to be a low use of off, offensive player and you're only six, three and a half, the defense has to be like really, really good for me to buy you. So Coop, I'll throw this to you. Where are you kind of at with, with Ellis's defense? So I was uh, for a while, I thought that it was really, interesting if you kind of looked at him as a small wing and not like a point of attack defender because the screen nav is it's it's fine uh he's six three and a half and skinny and for like that he it is really bad like compared to his peers but as like an actual defender i don't think that it's really bad uh he has really solid scram recognition and his off-ball stuff is really good he has solid digs solid like just being able to play that wing defender. But if you are a two who is a purely off-ball defender who can't really be a super event creator other than like as a steals guy, like if you're not blowing up a ton of off-ball plays, if you're not really disrupting and you can't play point of attack, um, I don't know how well you're able to slot into a bunch of different schemes. Uh, Like... I think he'll be really good when he's able to be the wing defender against uh, like uh, guarding uh, opposing pick and rolls. And he's able to dig in and, and bother the ball handler and then recover to his guy, but he's not really able to switch. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to guard anybody who has much shift or is, has a good screener. Uh, and he's just limited. That's kind of the, the theme here with Ellis is that he is what he is but he is super limited in just about every other area. And it makes it really tough to project him in into the NBA as, I mean, he's good at what he's good at, but it's, it's hard to see him as a high level playoff contributor and like three and D plus that people seem to think he is, uh, especially if he's only six, three. Yeah. I think that he has, really good hands at the point of attack but i don't think he moves he's very bad at shifting weight i think like if someone crosses him or anything he's not very good at at shifting weight on his feet and and mirroring that um i think that he uh is a decent off-ball guy in terms of um mitigating space uh for catch and shoot opportunities um like he closes out pretty well um, but I think that overall, uh, at his size, it's going to be difficult for him to be an impact on ball defender. Um, again, especially with the, the lack of ability to, to mirror anybody, um, good hands only gets you so far. And I don't think that, uh, Ellis has the ancillary skills, uh, outside of that to, to be impactful as an on ball defender. Um, so it's, 
not it's not great um i think he can be like i said a fine off-ball guy but uh there's only so many off-ball guys that you can put him on uh, because of his size so uh there's there's just sort of a lot of limitations with him and what he can do on that end um and i think that he is going to be uh mitigated to to smaller guys and limited to smaller guys um and if that is good with you and you're fine giving him 10 minutes off the bench, then uh, I guess that's fine. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm a bit distracted right now. Uh, Muhammad Gay just returned to WSU, so uh, I'm excited. I have not figured out if I'm going to write anything about it yet, but anyways, I, I completely agree with you guys. I think he's a very solid rotational defender. I don't really love like the sort of instinctual, like when the play breaks down defense though, so it's like he's a good rotational defender, but he's not like, oh man, I'm kind of, I'm losing the word. He, he's not like, like Tari, right. Or like Brandon Clark was like, yeah, he's not super instinctual. Yeah. It's not like he all. could just like blow up plays because he sees three steps ahead of what the offense is doing. It's he's, he knows like, okay, drive into the rotation zone up the weak side. He's great at that. And he's good at picking off plays in the passing lanes too. Like in those types of situations, because He's good at reading the, the passer's eyes. You know, not a ton of high-level passers in the SEC this year, if we're being completely honest. Lots of super turnover-prone guys. Um, was able to kind of pick them off. Uh, he's kind of bursty for what that's worth, and, and he has long arms, so he can get to those passes. But I don't think any of, like, those types of steals are super instinctual. And then, yeah, like, like I think for Ellis to really, like, last in the NBA, he has to be a great point-of-attack defense player, defender, I should say. And he's just so far away from that right now. Like he is just not that guy. Um, if he becomes that, it's sort of outlier development based on the physical tools because he looks like he should be laterally quick and he has long arms, but the footwork is really bad. He can't get around screens. So what Ellis is right now is not someone I would draft, um, but I, I I understand why people would. I just think the mix of the small size limit of offensive skill set and just sort of being not what I need from that type of guy on defense doesn't really do it for me. He could stick. And I think some people think for me, like if I have someone undrafted, that means like, I don't believe in them. That's not true. I like a lot of guys I have undrafted. We talked about Samson Retzevin and, and a lot of guys I do these threads on it's that they need very specific context. And my draftable guys are tend to be guys who I think can, fit in more places or in the right place, bring more upside. Ellis is the type of guy who I'd rather just get an undrafted free agency, you know, bring him in on a two-way. If I really need just like a good rotational defender who can shoot, like, like the Mavs would really benefit from getting Keon Ellis. You know, they don't really need his point of attack defense, getting a rotational defender who can be in the right spots when your switching scheme is broken. Great. Now I think Ellis is probably someone, what worries me is that he can probably get attacked you know, but uh, it's just, it's just sort of is what it is. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on Keon, Keon Ellis before we move on? All right, sweet. Um, that one at least went fairly quick. Uh, this one, I, I'm interested to see how fast it goes. Uh, we're talking about NC State's Darion Sebron. I think that's how you say it. I've heard it said Darion too, but I, I'm pretty sure it's Darion, Darion Sebron. Um, so he is, he was listed at 6'7". Um, he actually came in at um he actually came in at 64.75 you know uh with a six eight eight six eight and a half wingspan six eight and three quarters wingspan um this was his 
He was a redshirt sophomore this year, so this was a third season. He's 22 as well. He just turned 22. His his uh, rookie season will be his age 22 season. So not not like super old, but not young either. You know, you hear sophomore. It's he kind of had the Obi Toppin route. I think he's one year younger than Toppin was, but I might be wrong. Might be about the same age as Toppin. Um, but he had a really good season in NC State, uh, averaged 17.3 points per game on 49, 25.6, 71.3 shooting splits, uh, 81 or not 81, 8.2 rebounds per game, 3.2 assists, uh, 2.4 turnovers. Uh, some advanced stats, 55% true shooting, not bad, especially when you consider he couldn't shoot threes. Um, good offensive rebounders, 7.8%, uh, 19.5 assist rate, 13.4 turnover rate, uh, 25.5 usage, only a 0.4 block rate, really kind of bad. Uh, 2.3 steal rate is all right, but we'll get into why that number might not be as promising as you would think. But I think the place to start with him is, is just sort of what he does offensively, because I think that's kind of the sell. I split scoring and playmaking into two things, but I actually think they could probably be talked about together. So starting off with this to you, do you kind of want to give us sort of, let's start with maybe like, like what Sebron does the, with, with the rib pressure, the pick and roll play, like that. So like, like what do you think of sort of that and the nuances of it and, and how it projects going forward? Yeah, so Darion, Darion's how I've been hearing it. So I'm, I'm just going to stick with that pronunciation for now, but um, I, I, he is, I mean, you, you talk about elite skills in this class and you have, um, like certain guys, uh, like Chet's rim protection, uh, Adrian Griffin Jr. Jabari's shooting. Uh, and I think right up there with them is like Darion Sebron's slashing. Like he is an elite slasher to the rim. Um, he does that at probably like up there at with the best level uh in this class can basically get there at will um the problem is what else does he do <laughs> outside of that but uh he he is genuinely like ridiculous as a slasher um i think that there are flashes of being able to pass outside of it um he's not normally looking to pass outside of it um and part of it Part of what makes Ebron such an interesting and difficult evaluation is just the context of North Carolina. Um, you have an extremely terrible offensive and defensive context surrounding him, um, but also Ebron's just not really looking to make those passes. So how much of it is he doesn't trust his teammates or how much of it is he just is uh, has blinders when he's slashing um, <clears throat> I think that he uh, can handle at a decent level. Um, I would prefer, you know, him to be able to finish as like a, a six, seven guy, um, but he's obviously not that. And I was pretty shocked actually when I looked up his height and saw that he was listed as that because he didn't look that much bigger than Turquavion. Um, but he uh, has pretty good handle. Um, and that's a lot of times how he does get into the slashing um decent manipulation with it too but uh not being able to pass out of it sort of limits the effectiveness of that um but uh yeah as, as far as his offense as a whole i mean that's really what he's bringing um really really good finisher so obviously if you're slashing you got to be able to finish uh, you can't just slash and not be able to pass or finish um so the finishing is sort of what adds to it to make sebron an actual like viable prospect 
Um, but uh, that's that's sort of the the sell with Sebron, um, at least offensively. Yeah, it's it's that's sort of it, right? It's that he can get to the rim and you'll figure out the rest later because um, currently he's not an efficient finisher. And I don't think it's that he's a bad finisher. It's that he makes it really hard on himself. Like he will, they will send three guys. And if he's committed to finishing, he will not pass unless he has, unless he is like about to get blocked and he has to. Um, I think that he can, you know, uh, like he, he's, his body control is really good in the air for what that's worth. But like, yeah, you can't finish right now. And he's just not, he's just like, okay, this is going to be more big picture thing. The reason I'm so low on Sebron is I honestly think he was an actively negative player this year. Like I think NC state was better when Cam Hayes played instead of Sebron because Cam Hayes spaced the floor a little bit. Cam Hayes moved the ball. Um, Sebron was the best player quote unquote skill wise. And it made sense for them to do what they did with him. But um, I just like, like his lack of shooting is really killer, right? Again, only six, four, like he's basically a point guard in the NBA. Like that's kind of what you're betting on. He's sort of a point guard, um, but he's not great at, at the point guard stuff other than getting to the rim. And even when he gets to the, like, even the getting to the rim stuff, like he could not be unders. Like if, if teams were going way under on him, he couldn't like, like he's not so explosive that he could just like, still get by the big when they go under so i just i don't know i like even just talking about it like i get even lower i just like i didn't love anything he did really like it's cool that he gets to the rim all the time he has some cool handle moments especially in transition like i think that's his best skill is that he's a really good transition player and and nc state probably didn't push it enough I actually like that's the one area I liked his passing was in transition. I think he's really good at understanding where uh, a weakness is in transition, trying to get to the rim and then making that pass to the corner. But the playmaking just wasn't there for me. I don't think the scoring is very good. I just, I just, I don't, I don't know, like just talking about it. Like I just didn't really like him. And that's not even to talk about the off ball stuff, which was, I mean, horrendous. Like he would just stand in the paint all the time. Like when we, we talked about this, we talked about Turk. Uh, who now is not in this draft and I'm sad about the that and that we talked about him but like Turk will like drive and you know Sebron would like do a kick out and it was a bad kick out to to Turk and then Turk would have to drive and he'd drive and Darion Sebron would just be like kind of standing there like in his way and it's like even though they're not going to guard you like a shooter still be at a place where you can catch the ball and do something with it, even if it's not going to be shoot. But, like, no, he just kind of stands. There's times he would, like, stand, like, kind of in the dunker spot, but he's not – like, he's an okay athlete, but he's not, like, a lob threat, right? Like, just – I just really – like I said, I think he was an actively bad player for NC State this year. I personally think he was the third-best prospect on that team. Um, and we'll talk about the other guy later. Uh, I just – I'm just not a Sebron guy, I guess. Uh, Coop, I'll throw this to you. Do you have anything maybe more positive to add about the, the offensive package? Bryce Hader Hendricks showing his true colors. Uh, I, I do think it's important that we note that he is a slasher and not a cutter um, because he can really get to the river with the ball in his hands. But if he doesn't have the ball, he's a negative player. Like Bryce was, Bryce was talking about, 
I really like his setup on drives, like how he sets up his man to run into screens. Uh, he's pretty solid at, at using like two moves and then slamming his guy into a screen at full speed. But then they can also just sink under it because he can't punish them or the big because the shooting is so awful that the setup just doesn't matter. Uh, it's He's really just a bet on how far can just run to the rim draw an ass load of free throws and make one pass basically because he 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 only is able to read one of his teammates at a time as a playmaker he is only able to see one teammate and be able to make that pass so sometimes he's going to be really focused on making the kick out and the kick out looks really good but then some two defenders will be near the guy who he's kicking out to and even though the pass was really good it ends up not creating an advantage because, oh, should have hit the roller because you were looking at that guy the whole time. Uh, sometimes he does the same thing with the roller or sometimes he'll just run into the paint and, and fling up a layup. Uh, I think he is a really good bet as a slasher with the ball in his hands and a team who has a really good shot doctor. You hope you can turn him into like a bench runner, like, you know, maybe this guy's interesting. He has this interesting baseline as a free throw tank. Um, if we can get that shot along and teach him some basic reads, then maybe he's super interesting. But he's not the kind of guy who, if I were most NBA teams, I would be taking a bet on unless it's just to send him to your G League team uh, and see what you can do. I'm going to, before I let Stone go on the defense, I have an issue with the whole idea of how we discuss teams with good shot doctors. I feel like it is much more that the shot doctors probably get a say on who they think like, Oh, we can fix this guy's jumper and less just that they can magically fix anyone's jumper. Like, I think that's like, that's why like, so like I was texting my friend, we were talking about the Pelicans, right. And like how, you know, like the only team I really like Sohan for in the lottery is the Pelicans because I think they could maybe teach them to shoot. They're like, oh, yeah, they could teach everyone to shoot. If only it was they could teach Zion. And I was like, well, you know, maybe the reason they can't teach Zion is because Fred Vincent was like, listen, I don't think Zion's shot is really fixable. And they're like, that doesn't matter. We have to take him number one. And so we're like, okay. But then for other guys, they're like, hey, if we acquire this guy, can you fix his jumper? And he's like, yeah, I think these are the, you know, like these are the tweaks I'll make. Like, does that, does that make sense? I feel like I'm kind of talking out of my ass. But like, that's kind of what I'm no, getting that, at. Where... That makes sense because I have zero understanding of actual shooting mechanics and stuff. So I'm just praying to the, the shot doctor gods that they can fix <laughs> people's jumpers. No, that's, that's like, like, so like what I'm getting, so like, say, say the Pelicans drafted like Keon Ellis, right? And maybe it's because Vincent said, I think I can get him to fix that leg and become a movement shooter. And okay, so there's something there, but say they're like, but I wouldn't touch, you know, I, I don't even know. I wouldn't touch uh, Ochai Baji because I don't think I can get him to be a movement shooter. And that's obviously, that's a um, sort of an odd example, but I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at there. So anyways, that was a tangent, but something that I think I, I, I'm, I'm glad I got out of my chest. Uh, Stone, is there anything notable about Dorian C. Braun's defense? No, um, but really quickly before I get into that, I do agree that like you can't just say that a guy is going to be able to shoot or same thing with like strength and conditioning. Um, everyone's like, Oh, you know, as soon as they get to the NBA, they'll be stronger. 
that's the case for probably most guys, but that doesn't just magically happen. You're, you're just because you're in the NBA doesn't mean you're going to be ripped. Um, but yeah, with, with Sebron, uh, he is not a great defender. I think I'm a little more optimistic. I'm optimistic on more optimistic on him as a whole, but defensively, I think that I'm more optimistic in terms of what he can be as a help defender, because I think that a lot of times, I mean, it's just a dis- absolutely disgusting context. Um, the North Carolina's defense, the zone was broken basically every play in their left scrambling. Um, so in a more set scheme, I think that maybe Sebron can be a little bit more of a positive than he was able to show. Um, but overall, he's not going to be like a positive defender, most likely. Um, I think there's hope that he can maybe get to a neutral on that end. Uh, like I said, with a more... Uh, a set scheme and and where the zone is not broken every single play and you're left scrambling. But um, I think that he uh, didn't show a lot in, in when he was trying to scramble and things like that. Um, didn't read the game a whole lot um, similar to the offense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think overall uh, I am just higher on Seabron because you don't see a lot of slot, like being able to break down a defense is important. Obviously, he doesn't do anything once he does break it down. But um, that that first step is probably the, the you know the most important aspect of that. So being able to do that uh, at a high level is is impressive to me. But um, yeah, I think that uh, overall he's an interesting case study to see how far that gets you because I don't uh, he's someone I feel confident he's never going to be able to shoot. I don't think Zebron like the touch is awful. Um, he's 22 years old. Uh, free throws are not good. He's I, I have pretty fair high level of confidence in saying that Zebron will never be able to shoot outside the paint. But that being able to slash like that, it's just uh, it's impressive to me. And the way he does it is is um, like he has an actively violent rip through like. Um, if someone catches those elbows, he's going to knock somebody out. Um, but he, uh, he, I don't know. I, I think I'm just, I value that slashing probably more, um, than you, than you guys. But at the same time, I see, I absolutely see all the reasons for pessimism surrounding him. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be like, like super negative right like I obviously as we say with everyone I hope he makes the league I hope he has a successful NBA career or pro career at all like just to be where he's at is is super impressive and and it's better than I could have done I didn't even play college ball um you know I could say some shit about my knees but I'll, I'll just keep that to myself no no but uh in all seriousness like I I hope the best for him I just it's just not a skill set I value and I think it's such a long shot for him to be an even remotely positive NBA player, because again, I don't even think he was a positive college player. Um, I think, I think he was maybe a little bit of a bump slayer and uh, that always kind of worries me. Um, So anyways, let's move on to someone who I think a lot of people are really, really high on and who I'm very excited to talk about uh, as we try and get through these last three guys really quickly. Um, And that's EJ Liddell. Uh, EJ Liddell is 21 years old. Uh, His rookie, he will turn 22 in December of his rookie season. So he will be, I think it's that means it's technically his age 22 season. I believe basketball reference calculates that as if you turn 22 before February of your rookie or you turn whatever age before February, that's your, that's the age of your season. So if you turn 22 in December, 
that's your age 22 season. But if you turn 22 in March, that's your age 21 season. So it will be his age 22 season. But um, anyways, uh, he averaged like someone again, steady rise junior this year, uh, started his career, didn't play or didn't start in any games this freshman year, averaged six points, uh, could not shoot, uh, or at least it looked like he couldn't. Sophomore year, okay, 33% from three, okay, you know, 16 points, looked all right, got some buzz. I think he I think he declared last year and then uh, withdrew, if I remember right, like got some feedback. Uh, I could be off on that. Uh, and then uh, this year, 33 minutes was the best player, most important player on this Ohio State team, which was really solid. Like it was a really good Ohio State team, though they did play in a bum conference. Um, averaged 19 points per game. 49, 37, 76 shooting splits, uh, eight rebounds a game, 2.5 assists, about 2.5 turnovers, 2.5 blocks is the number that really pops there, 8.2 block percentage, 1% steal uh, steal rate, um, 13% turnover rate, 16.7% assist rate, 59.8 true shooting, just overall really, really solid stats profile. Um, uh, yeah, so I just think uh, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff. Liddell measured in at 6'5.5 with a 6'11, basically seven foot wingspan. So tall enough. Like he's a four. Like, like he is a four. No problem saying that. Um, I think the place to start is the defense. Uh, with all these guys who started offense, but I think we should start defense here. Um, so Stone, I'll throw this to you. Let's start with the off-ball defense in general. And you can start with the rim protection here because I think that's what most people are in on. Just what did you think of his general off-ball defense? Yeah, uh, I mean, he has the the Draymond Green frame. Um, he's not obviously Draymond Green as a defender, but um, as a rim protector, I thought he was pretty interesting. Uh, I'm I'm fairly high on it. I, I, I'm fairly confident it's going to translate at a decent level. Um, he's obviously strongest as a, as a help side rim protector. Uh, I think he does read very well uh, when guys, you know, are, are starting to come that way. Um, and uh, I think he prefers to be uh, like, he, he would rather get there at the same time rather than be there first and be a deterrent. But I think it still works for him because of the ground coverage that his wingspan allows for. Um, I think he has fairly quick hands defensively as well, just overall. Um, <clears throat> on the perimeter, it's a little bit less uh, – less um impressive where he's not able to consistently flip his hips or or be able to um laterally move with guys but um again i i think the wingspan does he uses his wingspan really well in a way where i don't think that he gives guys a lot of space because of the the closeouts that he can make um but uh, there's obviously going to be guys that, you know, are quicker and faster than him that can get around him um, with his lack of ability to, to flip his hips quickly. But uh, I, I think he absorbs contact super well. One of my favorite aspects of their protection was the ability to, to absorb that contact. Um, guys cannot finish through him. Uh, they're not going to be able to, uh, like we'll talk about John Butler here in a future episode and, and, well, he is a good rim protector. Guys can just like push him at the rim and, and get through him at times. You're not going to have that with Liddell. Um, even really strong guys were, were trying to get to the rim uh, and he's just able to absorb a lot of that energy in his body and uh, stay vertical. So I think that um, 
EJ Liddell will be a, a plus rim protector in the NBA. Yeah, I have no gripes with with the rim protection, especially like I, some people have called him a backside rim protector. I think like he's best like as just being the five. Like like they would kind of hedge Zed Key a lot and just have Liddell kind of stand in the middle and then sort of do that where um, instead of Zed Key kind of getting back to his man, sometimes if the, if the guard was able to turn the corner, just peel to, to Liddell's man and just have Liddell be just the straight up five. Like, and he played some five this year, especially when Key was hurt. Uh, they would start Taylor Brunk, I think is his name, who I think was technically a walk-on, but is like a seven footer. Uh, so, you know, kind of like walk-on in quotation marks and, and um like Liddell could, I mean, Liddell could just be a straight on rim. Like he could just get up and, and throw shots back with, with relative ease. Um, really, um, really, really impressive stuff there. I think his rotations as the low man are fine. Um, I think he's sometimes a bit too eager to try and get a block and he'll let, uh, you know, he'll let some get an offensive rebound or he'll let there be a dump off. Like, I think there are some moments where, especially when he's not the straight five, when he's kind of the four kind of rotating over, um, like he has some moments where I just wish he was a bit more patient, a bit less jumpy and kind of played in rotation more. But that's kind of stuff that I think can get ironed out. Uh, Ohio State put him in a bad spot a lot of times because they were just a really rough defense in general. I mean, uh, they gave up rim pressure like no one's business. I mean, Malachi Branham couldn't defend on the perimeter. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, their shooter guy, the white shooter I, on his, their team. I'm blanking on his name. Justin Arns uh, could not defend on the perimeter. They had a couple guys who I just I didn't really think could defend. Uh, and, and they kind of put him in a bad spot. But the rotations were also really bad throughout. I mean, just in general, now, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, Ohio State's defense was, like, really frustrating. Uh, Liddell carried a lot of that. Um, but I didn't love his rotations. I thought if he was anything but the low man, they looked bad. Kind of similar to Roddy, but I would say even a step worse. Like, um, he just did not, like, do a lot of stuff I liked. Um, I thought he could be super aloof if he wasn't right near the basket, kind of just standing around. Um, I mean, never. And, and he also, like, he he's not a good lateral mover and that really worries me like like he's got compared to grant williams and there are times i just want to be like have you watched these playoffs because grant williams is like like grant williams is huge like he is like he's built like liddell probably even stronger but grant williams can fucking move like he is one of the better lateral movers for his size i've seen so one you're asking for a high bar for liddell to reach but two, I just don't – I didn't really see that in his game. So, Cooper, I'll throw that to you. Uh, if you have anything else you want to hit on with the off-ball defense, go ahead. But I also want to get your take on the on-ball defense and if you think I'm kind of just way off there in that read. I think – so for off-ball, I think he's almost too principled. I think that any time that a scheme breaks down and he's not able to read in, like, a perfectly spaced, like – almost as if like he's just studied a picket, like a textbook pick and roll over and over again. And if he's not seeing like textbook looking stuff, then his rotations look slow. Right. Uh, and it looks like he's, he, to me, he's a guy who reads things and he like learns them as they happen. As he sees them over and over, he gets better. He sees more. He's like super, I'm going to learn more. I'm going to get better as I see the coverage more. Uh, and his rotations sort of, it felt like they sped up as the year went along. As you watched him at the beginning of the year, it looks like his rotations are about like 
a step, half a step slow. And towards the end of the year, he's like a quarter of a step slow. I, that is not an exact measurement. It's more of just a way for me to say that it looks like his rotation sped up. He was able to better put himself in position as that rim protector. Um, and I think that he's the kind of guy who, as he gets older, that rim protection is just going to improve, um, be able to actually play that five like you're talking about. And like the on-ball defense, I don't think that he is like Grant Williams and that he can switch and guard smalls. I think that he's really, really good at locking up big wing and forward, uh, like strength-based creators. I think that is going to be his niche as an on-ball defender. Uh, like he put Paolo Bancaro through more hell than anybody else did this college season. And he's like five inches shorter than he is. Uh, just his ability to counter strength-based creators, even ones that are elite movers like Paolo, is just really impressive because of that combination of length, enough lateral mobility. Uh, I think he's going to put guys like Jeremy Grant, Julius Randle, uh, you know, he's going he's, he's gonna to put him through hell at the NBA level. Uh, and I think that's going to kind of be his niche. Maybe not. I, I don't think it's going to be as a young guy, but I think that's what he's going to grow into. Uh, be able to just put a pounding on those guys and not be this Grant Williams switch one through four, blah, 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 bunch of random defensive talking points. Uh, there's tools there, but he's not like a Swiss army knife in that way. What's interesting to me is um, I mean, I don't know if we're ready to transition to the offense, but I think that it is interesting that both he and Roddy as the nominal thick boys in this draft are very good movers offensively, but then defensively is like sort of where it shows up. Um, I, don't, I don't know like if there's a through line to that with other past prospects. I haven't really thought about it until now or looked into it, but just sort of an interesting note that uh, I, I figured it figured out right now. Um, but uh, offensively, I think that I very much buy him as a catch and shoot shooter. Um, I think that for me, it's a like, it's a very easy uh, something. It just clicked with me. Like it's a very easy um, translation to what he'll be in the NBA, which is a catch and shoot shooter who can keep the ball moving. Um, and that's basically what he is. And I think he can finish through contact as like a, a play finisher. Um, he, I think uh, is uh, the, the passing. I think a lot of people like it and I'm not as high on it. Um, a lot of it are these two handed overheaded bullet passes. Um, it's just like zipping it as fast and strong as he can to a guy. Uh, I don't think he sees a lot, but I think he just, he's a really good ball mover. Um, although at times, I think that in the, the context of Ohio State, he holds the ball too long uh, when he's trying to post up. But um, I think in the NBA, that's not really going to be his game. I don't think he's going to be a post-up guy. But um, I think that uh, he is patient, but also um, willing to be decisive. So uh, he, he's not going to make, I think, a lot of bad passes. Um but I think he, he is going to be someone who uh, makes the right reads at the right times, just not very complex ones. Um, I think that the handle is uh, not very good. He dribbles very wide. He's not going to be someone that self-creates much. Um, but like I said, as a, as a play finisher, like around the rim, even though he lacks explosion, 
I think that he is able to finish through contact. Um, and as a, a catch and shoot guy, uh, I, th- I think the translation is just pretty easy for me and something that, that clicked when I just watched him. Yeah, I'm actually I'm going to go very quickly back to the defense just because I had a couple more notes and then I'll hit on my views on the passing because I think I'm at a bit of a different spot. Um, I I wish he were more active. I have that a few times in my notes where it kind of feels like he's standing around a ton. And I think the oh, he's a high usage offense player gets thrown around a little too much for my liking because we've seen high usage offense players be active and intense on defense. I mean, Johnny Davis is obviously like that super outlier example, but even guys like Matherin, high usage, and, and Matherin had to run around a lot. Someone we'll talk about later, Tevin Brown, I think, you know, had to run around a lot. It's still super active on defense. I don't like how much Liddell stood around. Um, again, I mentioned look great and drop. I think, like, he is the best bet of this whole group we're talking about to just, like, straight up be a small ball five more so than Roddy. Um, so I just think that's valuable. Like, it's not it's not something I, I'm huge on, but it is valuable um and uh i have like he doesn't recover super well so like when he does get beat if he is like out on the perimeter like he's not fast you know like he's kind of slow he he's athletic vertically especially off two feet and with a load up but he's not super explosive off one foot and he's not fast he's very upright when he's trying to run um so just kind of some stuff like that like again like i think he can be a good defender i wouldn't bet on him to be like an elite defender without some real body development to make him a better mover. Um, as for the passing, I think when he's decisive, he's a very good connected passer. Um, he is good at just sort of catching and moving the ball, but I don't like his passing when he does sort of stop and, and survey the floor. Like I just, and I don't know how much he's going to do that in the NBA. Like how much is EJ Liddell going to catch the ball and jab step? in the NBA, maybe not a ton, but I think it's generally like he puts himself in bad, bad situations with the handle. I, I posted a couple where it's like, like he jabs and drives left and then two guys come and, and he just can't do anything. Like there's just nothing he can do. So he just has to turn and take this fade away and it would go in sometimes, but that's not a shot he's going to get away with in the NBA. Um, I think that the post passing is fine, but I, I don't think like, like people can pick out passing highlights that look good, but I don't think like his consistent play to play passing really impressed me. I think he misses quite a few reads. Um, he's definitely very like, like I'm going to score first minded. Like that's that, like, he's not trying to be like, get everyone involved type stuff. Like he is like, I have the ball. My job is to score right now. And then if I have to, I'll pass. And he has some nice, like, kind of cross-corner skips, but he has to jump a lot to pass, which I hate. I like, like, he does that all the time. And it's like he has long arms, but he does a ton of, like, these jump, like, and then, like, he, like, spikes it down towards someone cutting. And it looks really cool when it hits, but, like, I just don't like when you have to jump to pass like that as much as he does when you're big. Um, I, I, you know, there's, like, zero live triple passing, which – I, I don't really expect, but again, like, I think he could be a good connective passer, but I wouldn't expect him. Like, I don't think he can like short roll pass. Like I think Roddy can uh, really at all. Like I, I, I trust Roddy more as a short roll passer. Um, as for kind of moving on to the scoring on offense, um, he could shoot. That's about all I got for you. I don't think he does anything else at the NBA level at all. Um, and even the shot I'm like not completely sold on. Like, I think it's good. Uh, you know, this year he shot 
and this is high volume. Uh, he shot, well, and that's 3.8 per game, 37%, pretty good, right? 6.9 free throws, very high volume, 2. Uh, uh, or 76%, excuse me. So good numbers there. Not a ton of track record is like a great shooter. Um, and the form just kind of looks funky to me. Like, like the arc is like, he's like, shoots a soup, he shoots a laser beam at the rim. Like his misses are like always long rebounds because they just clank the back rim if he misses. He he's had a couple that he like banks, not even in, but it, but they hit the backboard. Um, and like I just I, I just I don't know. I just I, I it's fine. Like I, I guess I think he's gonna shoot. But like, I I don't love it. Uh, it's kind of too motiony. It's um, he's a bit slow to get into it. Like I think, and he's not hunting it. Like I wish this year he would have. Like there are too many times where he catches and he has about eight feet of space and he doesn't just let it rip. Like he has to just like get the mindset of that's a shot every time. He can't jab. You know, has he drive? Like no. Like like you catch the ball with eight feet of space, you got to shoot that damn ball um you know I don't love the post scoring it's fine uh again he wasn't like super efficient this year like 49 percent field goal like like he is like if you look at the true shooting it's solid right like 59.8 great true shooting because he gets to the free throw line a ton he's efficient there he's efficient on his threes but I don't think he's like a super efficient post-up player um he has a couple moves but it's all right-handed and it's all over the left shoulder um if he spins back he's trying to get to his right hand um, and again, he can't dribble or create. So I guess I'm just generally kind of lower on, on Liddell on both ends. And I don't mean to come across negative, but we definitely have some positive people in the pod. So Coop, I'm going to throw this to you. Do you kind of want to give us, uh, your take on Liddell's offensive game? Yeah, I don't have much else to add about the shooting. I think, uh, and the, like the offense, like the, the details of the offensive game, but I think his NBA role is a pick and pop big who, because his roles, his pick and rolls, it, he did not roll at all, at all. He was one of the slowest rollers uh, for somebody who's like pretty athletic and very strong. Every time he'd roll, he would just kind of meander. It's kind of annoying. But the popping was really solid. He was really good at creating space. He knew where to fill in on the pop. He knew how to drag his defender away from the ball handler or create maximum space. Um, and EJ Liddell is an absolute master of the Daniel Tice screen. He is a god at rescreening. Uh, so if he is in the post or he is down off a cut or whatever, and a, a guy drives, he will perfectly position his body to just slam into the, the, the point of attack defender and completely drag them out of the play. And he's really good at being able to use his frame to also keep his guy from contesting the guard. Uh, he got Malachi Branham some great looks by just absolutely murdering his defender on a rescreen out of the post. Uh, I don't know how often that's going to be a thing because uh, I don't think he'll be posting up a ton in the NBA, but he's someone who maybe you, you get, you teach him to roll, you develop that role game, and then you run some two man action and you're able to really utilize that rescreening. Uh, and I think that's really like, cause I don't think he's going to be a free throw tank in the NBA because his free throw tanking came from the post-up game. Um, I mean, I like the, the right hand, the touch with the right hand, but I think you really want to develop him as a role man, as a handoff guy, as a pick and pop guy, just a play finishing big uh, who has some utility as a screener. I just don't think there's like a ton of, it's, it's super simple. And I think he's good at what he's good at. And there's 
easy areas to develop. Uh, it's just a pretty simple offensive game to me. Yeah. Uh, Stone, do you have any uh, notes on, on his scoring uh, before we move on? Uh, not really anything more than I've already said. Um, I do think that uh, he can at times, or at least I, I don't think it's going to be something that's really a thing in the NBA, but um, at Ohio State, he was very, I think, overly dependent on the mid-range jumper. Um, there's times when there's like two guys on him and they're coming towards him and he just would rather shoot that mid-range jumper and take his chances, which albeit he is a decent guy uh, doing that, but uh, there's better options to be had, I think, in a lot of uh, in a lot of times. But um, he he, I think that is going to be something in his arsenal. Like if guys leave him open, just like at 16, 18 feet, and he has that little jumper, uh, I I think it's going to be money. But um, being able to pass out of it more, I think, is something he's going to have to figure out. Uh, but yeah, other than that, not, nothing really to add. Uh, all right, so I think that's about good on uh, EJ Liddell. So let's move into Tevin Brown. Um, Tevin Brown from Murray State did not attend either combine, didn't even attend the Julie combine. I don't think he was even at like Portsmouth or anything like that. Just uh, someone who I really like, and I think he's underrated, and I wanted to make Stone and Coop watch him. So that's what I did. And it worked out for me uh, because I think we're going to have a fun discussion on him. Tevin Brown, one of the more wild statistical profiles over the course of his four-year career at uh, Murray State. He's 23 years old, and um, he will turn 24 in September. So his rookie season will be his age 24 season. Obviously, we're people who think age does matter in the draft, and uh, that him being older does kind of worry me. But uh, we'll get into why I think there's maybe a chance for him to contribute early in his career and, and, and find a place in the league despite that um that age but uh his statistical profile is just nuts so he had one year where he played with with John Morant his, it was his redshirt freshman year um not super efficient except for from three where he was really efficient uh but did his thing kind of played as the secondary guy there maybe even the tertiary I'm trying to think there was there was someone else who was on that Murray State team who played in the G League for a while for uh, the Memphis Hustle and the um, the uh, Salt Lake City Stars, but I'm blanking on his name, but he had high usage too. Um, but his sophomore year really exploded in uh, sort of what his role was. That was his highest scoring season still to this day. Uh, and also his highest three-point shooting season uh, for some reason, lowest volume by a little bit, but every single year he's had a three-point volume over uh, seven, over six and a half a game, basically. Um Yes, Shaq Buchanan is the name. Um, anyways, uh, he's always had high volume and been at least above 37%. This year was his highest volume. He took 3.8 three-point attempts per game. Or wait, 8.2 three-point attempts per game, sorry. And shot 38%. I'm all over the place right now. Uh, he averaged 16.8 points per game. Uh, was generally efficient. You know, 42.7 isn't great, but 75% from the line. Um, and that comes out to, you know, a total of 57.6 true shooting has to take a lot of tough shots because he's really the only true floor spacer on that team. Uh, Justice Hill could get going when he was hot. Same with um, KJ, uh, their big name that I'm uh, that I'm blanking on right now. KJ Williams. Williams. Yep. KJ. How, Williams. How'd you forget Williams? My basic name on planet. Because there's too many people with that name, but oh my um, I mean, like. Tevin's always been a low turnover guy. 
he had one year where he had a 20 to, he had basically a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Um, you know, always been solid steel block rate this year, 2.3, 2.1, 23% usage movement shooter does a lot of kind of funky stuff. Um, so just someone I really like, and this guy, because he didn't attend the combine, we are going to do it. Uh, are we guys, guys, are we feeling over under six, five for Tevin Brown coop? Well, I think the hair is what gets him to six, five. So I'm going to, I'm going to go under. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll take the under as well. Yeah, I'll go under, but I, I think he has long arms for what that's worth. But he's also skinny, so you never know. Sometimes that stuff gets to you. But the steel, the steel rate makes me think maybe he has long arms. But uh, yeah, Tevin is just someone who, who I'm really excited to talk about. So I think the main sell is that he is an elite, not just shooter, but off-ball scorer in general. And that's something that I find really valuable on the right team. So uh, just to give you some notes on that, he can really shoot on the move. Like the footwork is uh, gorgeous. It's probably the best word for it. Like he glides into catches. Um, he gets way up off the ground without a ton of work. Like, uh, like he really rises above guys to hit shots. Um, the form itself is funky. I would, I would describe it as if LaMelo ball had a bit of a two motion jumper. He does that LaMelo where he kind of flicks it with both hands. Like, the offhand has a major flick, but it kind of sits on top of it first and then flicks as it as the ball goes out. It's really weird looking, but it's like it's kind of two motion, it, but it's a super high release, um, very comfortable taking it. And I can have my gripes with the form all I want. At a certain point, he has a four year track record of being an elite shooter every single year. Like I said, high volume shot above 37 percent, all on like very difficult shots um, like he's basically never getting wide open spot up threes because um he like i mentioned he's the only shooter on murray state right now um you know his that freshman year when he was with with john shaq buchanan like shaq buchanan could shoot a little bit but for the most part tevin brown was their guy and and uh that also you know i think his conditioning is like absurd because he played a lot of minutes and was basically asked at all times to just be sprinting around the floor like um because they needed him to be kind of involved in actions to be spacing the floor and keep the defense occupied he couldn't just stand in one place because then the defense could guard him like like normal and they could just send four guys to the paint because no one else can really shoot spot ups but like tevin brown constantly running constantly moving off play like just really i really love that stuff i love his cutting um his ability to finish cuts don't love but you know um and then, so I just, yeah, I just, I really love the off ball scoring as a whole. Uh, I know I'm like gushing right now, but Coop, I'll throw this to you. Are, are you kind of with me? What'd you think of his off ball scoring? I think that that's the big sell with him on offense, especially to an NBA team is that he sprints into jumpers. He is constantly moving and he's able to hit shots while doing so. Uh, just an interesting stat that I came across via synergy on unguarded catch and shoot shots he is scoring uh, he has a, a points per possession of 1.5 in the on catch and shoot jumpers in the half court that is uh, kind of bonkers but uh he's just an absolute machine as a shooter he's got uh moments where he's just able to make shots off of touch alone that are super super tough super contested uh he does like all the he's able to reset his feet he's able to like catch do the one dribble into a shot uh still looks in, incredibly incredibly clean 
just has all the, the little things that you want as a shooter. And then is also able to finish uh, and get to the rim. He's not able to finish with any, any amount of contact, um, but he's able to just use his speed and pull somebody out and go as fast as he can and run into the lane and just pray that he gets fouled or he's able to just get a little extension finish. Um, he has solid touch on little pushies and, and floaters, and he's really, really solid in, in transition. Um, just able to run up the floor, uh, get, be in the right spots, fills the lane really, really well, uh, just understands spacing and where to go and how to move as a shooter. And I think that's really, really important, uh, almost as important as actually being able to shoot, which he's also able to do. Yeah, I mean, not too much to add, honestly. I think that that pretty much summarizes his offensive game. Um, he's just a really great off-ball mover and a guy who can really shoot off pin down screens, all those sort of things. Um, not sure how often, like, he'll get those play calls in the NBA. Like, he's probably not going to be, you know, the third option on whatever NBA team he goes to. But uh, I the ability to do that is is still there regardless um i think that i mean the finishing is really like the the one real drawback for me like he's any sort of contact at all um and offensively we'll get into too like he he's very physically just like weak <laughs> i i guess is the way to put it cuz he uh any sort of contact he cannot he cannot finish through um and uh, so I, I think that's a, a defender who knows how they're going to stick with them and like an NBA seasoned defender who, who really knows what they're doing. Uh, I think that sort of negates any sort of uh, finishing uh, ability for him. But I think that uh, nonetheless, he, he is uh, a pretty good cutter and, and mover. Um, I think that uh, the passing too is interesting. He has some like really nice flashes of being like an entry passer or uh, just a ball mover in general. Obviously, probably not going to be doing a ton of like uh, passes off movement or cookouts or things like that. Um, although he had flashes here and there of that. Uh, but uh, in general, he's just uh, more of a shooter, more of an off ball guy. Um, not going to be handling the ball a ton. I think he has flashes of really interesting handle where he can get. A quick cross if he has some momentum uh, going into it uh, and, and get to the rim. But for the most part, I don't think like in half court settings, he really has the handle to, to get himself to the rim. But um, for what he is, I think he's really interesting as this off ball uh, guard who can or, or wing who can shoot and uh, provide a, a really high level of spacing for whatever team he goes to. Yeah, you mentioned that third option thing. And and, and while I, I I hear where you're coming from, I think, you know, like like when Joe Harris is obviously like a high-level example of this, or, or so is Dr. Robinson, but like when they're on the floor, they're sort of the third option offensively, right? Like, like especially Harris. Um, and I'm thinking specifically for that Nets team with like D'Lo, right? Like he had to just run all over the like that was what he was tasked with, or or like that's Clay too, you know, Clay was the third option uh or, you know you might even say he's the fourth option in terms of touches uh on a lot of those good warriors teams uh including this one in some ways with jordan Poole out there but 
he is the second gravity well on the team, right? Like, so he's moving off the ball and that in and of itself is a weapon. I'm not a hundred percent confident. Tevin Brown can get to that level of shooter. I just, I just worry, like, <laughs> I don't want to, but the form being as funky as it is, does sort of worry me. Like maybe there's something that's just going to give in. I don't, I don't know. Like I think he'll shoot and I think he'll be a high level shooter. Uh, again, like, like the comfortability he has with, with positive and negative momentum and, and moving around in different ways is just really, really impressive. And again, like, I, I, I love the, the motor, I guess. Like, I just love how he played. I mean, this year he averaged um, 30, uh, 35.1 minutes a game. Uh, during his sophomore year, he averaged 37 minutes a game. I mean, that's like Wilt Chamberlain shit, basically, in terms of college ball. And, like, dude never stops running. Like, he is one of the more well-conditioned players in this draft class, I think. And um, moving on to the on-ball stuff, it's not great, right? Like, uh, the thing that really kind of, like, I don't love how he creates space for a jumper at all. Like, I think he has some moves to get downhill, but I don't think he has moves to create space for a jumper. I think some of that is that weird jumper doesn't really it's not super conducive to kind of like different pickup points, if that makes sense. Like he can catch the ball in different places, but if you have to, if he has to pick up with one hand to get into it, because it's kind of two motion, it's sort of weird to do that for him. I think um, he can hit off the dribble. Like he'll knock some shots down off the dribble if you give him space, but I don't think he's going to be putting someone in the mix and creating like a huge step back or anything, but I think he can get downhill. Um, I think, that sophomore and junior season where, or, uh, where he was more of an on-ball player, especially that sophomore year, you can see that in his film at times. Even if it's kind of, you know, it, it's sort of inconsistent. There were times where if he's hot at the end of games, they're letting him run pick and roll. And he's really good at like kind of splitting the pick and roll and getting downhill. He's good at one hesitation move driving past a guy. I think his burst is overall really solid. Um I think he turns the corner really well. Something I've noticed when, when I'm, you know, I'm right now I'm doing a lot of work watching guys who maybe aren't as good, aren't super draftable, but I think are worth a look. I, I do that every year. And something I'm noticing is that like a lot of the separation between NBA player and not NBA player is how well you can turn the corner, how well you can shift your body from facing one way to facing the other way. There's a lot of guys who have to take these really rounded angles to turn around, right? But uh, like Brown doesn't have to do that. Brown can just one step, basically get his body angled towards the basket and, and score. So I don't love the on ball stuff by any means, but uh, I think he, I think he can get to the rim. And I also think he's a solid passer. Like he's just a really sound decision maker. I like how he reads the floor. Um, not a flashy passer. Doesn't make high level reads or anything, but I think he's an overall good court mapper. I think that leads into the off ball scoring. And I think he makes the right pass more often than not. Uh, Coop, Stone, do you guys have anything else you wanted to add on sort of the on-ball offense? In general, the only note I did have that it's sort of in conjunction with the the lack of ability uh, to finish through contact was I noticed a lot of his misses are short um, when he does miss. So I don't know, it's just sort of a note I had. Maybe it, there's a through line in terms of the lack of physical strength, but um, that's just the other sort of minor note I had. I just wanted to bring up a specific example of what you were talking about, Bryce, where at the end of games, sometimes they'll just let him ISO or run pick and roll uh, against Auburn uh, when it was close uh, before the end of regulation. 
or maybe maybe it wasn't close. I don't fully remember. Um, but basically, in the last possessions of the game, they would basically run pick and rolls to get him switched onto Walker Kessler, and then just let Tevin pull him out as far as he could with his gravity, and then run full speed into the paint and try and go kind of at a weird roundabout angle and go for the scoop finish and also try and draw the foul. Uh, and I just think that that I don't think that he's going to be pulling people out and driving, but I think that just being able to, you know, get to the rim like that, seek contact, maybe not take it and finish, but just being able to get contact and get those free throws as pretty awesome for somebody who's uh, pretty solidly a second round pick on most boards. It seems. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, so, or, not stone coop i'm gonna throw this back to you because i want to hear your takes on the defense because i came away really impressed and and i enjoyed uh what i saw on the defensive tape there's some issues that we'll get into but overall i think he's a really promising defender and i I was wondering if you could kind of break that down so i think he's a really really good on ball defender uh like he's six five i think he has long-ish arms pretty strong like skinny but has functional strength uh he like locks up post defense, like post players really, really well. Like it's one of the the more interesting, like, uh, like you look at him and you go, oh yeah, let's mismatch, hunt that guy, throw it down into the post. And then you watch the film. It's like, this guy is blowing up post plays on the regular. It is crazy. Uh, he's really great. Like he has great hands, great feet. Uh, his biggest problem is that he ball watches whenever his man is not involved in an action and he will get back cut pretty badly. Um, it usually won't lead to a bunch of buckets, but I think that it, that will be something that happens in the NBA because creators are going to see that he's not playing, you know, lower level guards who aren't going to see that back cut. Uh, he's really good in scramble. Uh, like whenever the defense breaks down, he is flying around just trying to find a man to stop them. Uh, it has really solid knowledge of when to switch, when not to switch. He knows when to try and fight over a screen versus when to let his teammate go for it. Uh, and, and sneakily, he has some solid rim rotations where he's able to, uh, you know, put at least a body between the guy who's rolling or finishing and the rim, able to stay vertical pretty well. Not the most effective because he is six five and decently skinny, but he's able to put his body there understands his duty uh and i mean he's just he has his weaknesses where he will get back cut as a wing defender but i think that that's going to be something that can be uh fixed up at the nba level with proper scheming yeah i really i really loved his positional defense um his on-ball defense i think is um hit or miss he's okay in isos but he can be really kind of pushed down with strength like like Guys who are stronger than him can can really hurt him, and he can get blown by occasionally. I think just sometimes he just does this thing where he he's just a little too upright as someone starts their move, and he's sort of like hopping to get down as someone moves, and then he's just that step behind them. But in rotation, he's awesome to me. Like, and again, I think that motor translates uh, from offense to defense. Like, I think he really, really uh, he he plays hard. Um, he's constantly moving i love how he zones up the weak side i love the plays he makes in passing lanes i don't think he over gambles like ever um he's i think he's very solid at 
waiting until he knows he can make a play on a pass before doing it. You know, you mentioned him blowing up post plays. A lot of that is by sitting on his back, like he's going to get, you know, like someone's going to just crush him and turn around and dunk, but instead kind of swim moving around and, and getting to that ball on the entry pass before uh, the big can touch it. And like, I just love stuff like that, like little things like that um, really pop for me. The screen nav needs a lot of work for him to be playable at the NBA level. Like, um, because he's also a bad recovery defender. So, like, if he gets hit by a screen, he's kind of out of a play. He needs to work on that. But I I think there's some, like, ability to. Like, lots of it is I just think he takes really bad angles. And I think you can teach someone to, hey, instead of getting hit on someone's low hip and trying to get all the way over, just spin under the screen or – you know, set yourself up like you're going to go one way, maybe get the defender's momentum leaning and, or the, the, not the defender, but the, uh, the, um, the big, the screeners momentum uh, going one way and kind of try and get around the other, like, just like little things like that. Like he just doesn't do right now that he needs to, but overall, I think, I, I think the defense is solidly projectable. And when you combine that with the offense, I think you're talking about a really solid three and D kind of two guard. Uh, again, someone who probably needs a specific fit and who who might not click, but someone I'd probably take a bet on drafting. Um, Stone, do you have any kind of uh, final notes on Tevin? Uh, not not really. Um, <laughs> I think he's a good defender uh, overall. Uh, don't really have a whole lot to add to what you said. Pretty much agree with most of it. Uh, just a guy that really knows his role and and plays it well. So. Um, uh, yeah, honestly, I don't have a, a lot to add. Nice. Uh, Coop, do you have any final notes? Just that I'd really like to, like you talked about kind of needing a specific fit. I just think that he would really thrive in a, in a switch scheme uh, where he's able to just fly around and not have to fight through screens and not have to play a ton of off-ball defense and uh, like watch from the corner. Uh, just that kind of scheme where he's able to kind of keep the ball in front, have things simplified um, and then still just be able to run around and do Tevin Brown stuff. I mean, if you're that kind of team, like the Clippers, I think that he's not just a shooter. You kind of have to have some tiny amount of creativity and there's a lot of NBA teams that do not have even that. So he's not like a, a 30 team kind of guy pick, but if you're the right team, please pick Tevin Brown. Yeah, and I, I think he's also the type of guy who, you know, he might fall through the cracks, and I think he could have, like, a big summer league maybe and, and get a contract or maybe even two years overseas, and you're like, holy fuck, who's this dude shooting 42% and playing good defense and being an NBA-caliber athlete? Let's bring him over. Like, he might not succeed immediately because he needs kind of a specific fit. Um, I love him in Utah. Like, I think Utah could really use just a player like him. Uh, there's a lot of teams that need sort of, connectors who are super willing off-ball movers and smart positional defenders like that does matter and like I said like I think he's long enough that he can guard most twos uh and and maybe even some threes though the strength is obviously an issue but anyways uh I think we'll move on to the last guy and who to some is probably the most interesting and that's Dalen Terry from Arizona uh Dalen Terry um did attend the draft combine and he measured in at 6'6 which is Kind of tall, like we hear six six without shoes, but you gotta remember, like a lot he that would be taller than EJ Liddell and taller than um than uh uh David Roddy 
dudes are shorter than they say they are that's i mean this is a universal fact that all women know and the combine just puts that on full display does however have a seven foot in a seven foot and and three quarter inch wingspan really impressive measurements there um good athlete all around uh he was someone who i liked a lot out of high school um and kind of took you know took a year to find his spot but really really just all around impressive sophomore year for a very good arizona team started in 37 at 37 games played almost 30 minutes a night um only eight points but uh 50 you know 36 73.6 shooting splits um 30 or 3.9 assists per game totally 1.4 turnovers uh some really just fun advanced stats 58 percent true shooting pretty solid um good offensive rebounder and also remember uh, something we'll get into he played with two other bigs who couldn't shoot at all times so kind of have to keep that in mind we're talking about terry uh five percent offensive rebound rate uh 22 assist rate 60 percent turnover rate not great but solid numbers there 2.5 percent steal rate 1.1 percent block rate um i think the place to start with terry is just what he is on offense uh there's a lot of funk there um Stone, I'm going to throw this to you. Just kind of give us just the general offensive picture of Dale and Terry. Yeah, Terry is uh, Terry's a very funky, long, slender wing who uh, is really like a genuinely great passer. Um, he has uh, he reads the game very well. Um, he, he does more than just sort of the fancy, creative, simplistic classes like. I think he is capable of more of these more complex reads. Um, I think that uh, the real thing uh, with Terry, he's both super fun and super frustrating when you're watching him. Um, There's a lot of times where you love what you're seeing. uh, And then the next play you're uh, yelling at your your screen, like, why would you do this? He, the, the, the biggest, I think, thing holding Terry back as an offensive player is the handle. I think that he uh, he picks up his dribble so much, almost every play. It's it's very frustrating uh, because when he is on the move, the, the rare occasions that he is, he's a very good passer on the move. Um, I think he's very good at finding cutters, but he would rather do it stationary than being on the move. And it's very frustrating uh, because it limits the accessibility to those passes that he's capable of. Uh, the shooting is interesting. Um, I, so I started my film on him with the UCLA game in, I think, November, December. And then I finished all the way up to the reset one with uh, Houston in the um, tournament. And the the progression of him as a shooter in the mechanics was really uh, very impressive. Um, it, he It was disgusting to start, so it was a pretty low bar. Uh, albeit, but um, when you got to the end of the season, you're like, okay, I can see him being a serviceable shooter at an NBA level. It's still not great, still fairly low volume, but he definitely got way, way more comfortable taking those shots uh, as opposed to when he was playing, you know, back when the the season first started. Um, In the form, uh, it got sped up quite a bit. Like in my notes, I was watching UCLA and I had like disgusting shooter. How did this guy ever, ever shoot in the NBA? Um, and then I watched him in, in the Houston game and I was like, 
wow, 180 on, in terms of shooting might actually be able to be an NBA shooter. Like it was, it was a massive, massive turnaround. Um, I think that uh, the finishing is interesting. Like he's a versatile finisher, but he he's got to finish through contact at a better rate. Um, and uh, with the the burst, I thought it was very subpar. I think that that's part of the reason he picks up his dribble so much is because he does not have he has an okay handle at times, um, but it's it's somewhat rudimentary. And that paired with the subpar burst forces him to pick up the handle more than it should. Um, so I think I think those two things are really the contributing factor as to why uh, Terry is probably not high as high on my board as a lot of people. Uh, Cooper, what, what were your thoughts with him? I think that offensively, you know, the shooting, like you said, especially to start the year, it was kind of awful. Uh, I mean, towards the end of the year, it got fine. He also, even towards the end of the year, had a lot of awful misses, uh, despite absolutely nobody within like uh, 300 yards of him. It was like really, really bad at times. Um, I think my favorite part of his offensive package is just that he is a a putback machine. Whenever uh, he has an offensive rebounder, uh, offensive rebounding wing through and through. And you know how much I love my offensive rebounding wings. Um, I, I like the closeout attacking. He's assertive on closeouts. But uh, the biggest problem there is that it feels like Dalen Terry is, he has like two modes on offense. And one is look to score and the other is look to pass. And he cannot alternate between the two without like a full second of like, oh, wait, I should probably look to shoot right now when he's looking to pass and the other way around. Um, like, so if he is like running a handoff on the perimeter and there is nobody within like eight feet of him, he does not turn toward, he's not recognize that and see, oh, I should probably look to shoot for about two, three seconds. In the NBA, in that time, that, uh, that advantage is going to be gone in all likelihood. Even if you're like a fine, like, I mean, mid, even if you're like a bad shooter in the NBA, I mean, somebody's going to be within like four feet or at least like pretend to contest you. Uh, you're not going to be that wide open forever. It's just really, really weird because I think the passing is good and I think the closeout attacking is good, but it's just, uh, I wish that he was able to do them, like <laughs> be able to do both at the same time instead of them being two completely separate things. Yeah, the not looking at the rim thing drove me nuts. Like, there was a ton of, like, there were a ton of plays that were killed by him just not looking at the rim. And there were times teams didn't view him as a shooter. I, like, his own teammates didn't view him as a shooter either. And it's pretty rough. Um, I, I'm so... Um, <laughs> Dale and Terry is one of those dudes who I'm very, like, unconfident in my evaluation of, uh, at least in terms of... Um, value i think i know what he is and what he can do right now and, and what i think is possible but the value with him is really hard and we'll get into that but um as for his offensive game uh i love how he sets up an offense like not an elite passer i don't think but i, I do love how he sets up an offense i think his general court mapping is solid but like you mentioned like like that's hurt by not being able to kind of choose or not being able to do both things at once right it's like one or the other um there are a couple moments where it feels like oh he's like 
getting ahead of steam and then he passes out. But there are just as many times where he's taking nothing angles, just looking to throw a pass. There's a lot of schemed back cuts in uh, Arizona's offense. He's very good at finding those. Um, but I also don't think he makes like any absurd pass. Like, it's not like he's like throwing some like, oh my God, a six, six dude just threw this pass. What, what in the world is going on or anything? Um, and then the handle is also kind of limited. I think it's not bad. He has some real shift, but he cannot handle any sort of pressure. If someone is, is thinking they might take the ball, he's not, he's not able to keep it from him without just picking it up. Um, it reminds me a lot of Tyrell Terry, if I'm being completely honest, handle wise and Tyrell Terry cannot get away with that. Cause he's, you know, six foot, nothing, but at least Terry six, six and, uh, he could see passes still. Um, as for the shot, it's funky. I think it's going to work in the NBA. If I'm being completely honest at a high level, maybe not. I don't think the touch is very good. If I'm being, it's, it's not bad, but I, I don't think his touch is great. I think he's a generally pretty poor finisher. Just to, like, he doesn't get hill downhill very often. Like he's a good athlete, uh, but I don't think he's super bursty and he's not super bendy either. And that sort of you know, you have to kind of be at least one of those to be like a consistent downhill threat in, in the NBA. I think he's neither. Um, I, 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 I just don't think he's ever going to be a great finisher, but I think the shots can be okay. I think he can be an okay spot up shooter. Um, super high release gets well off the ground. Um, it's funky looking, especially like, like his elbow is sort of like way out and it kind of pushes that way. But I, I think he'll get to a point where he can shoot. Okay. Um, I don't think it's completely broken. Um, and again, like, like there's reason to believe that he can get to a point where he can shoot. All right. But um, as for like what he is offensively, I think there's a chance he's sort of limited to kind of a spot up shooter and, and off ball mover type in the NBA. If I'm being honest, I think the guard skills are overemphasized by Arizona's willingness to just completely run at all times at, a, at an absurd breakneck speed. Um, there were two ways. So Arizona, as I mentioned, lack of spacing, lack of, uh, they always had two bigs. Um, there are two ways they tried to compensate for that. One is back cutting, which Dalen Terry is a very good cutter, very good off ball mover, love the proprioception on sort of general movement around the perimeter, back cutting and stuff, but everyone on Arizona back cut because uh, two guys would kind of be paying attention to the post and if you could squeeze that little pass along the baseline and then maybe you bring someone else over and another interior pass and then boom coloco dunk or something like that um but as for like like uh terry speci- i i lost my trade of oh uh the other one <laughs> the other way they try to compensate for um lack of spacing is by just running all the time they were an absurdly high frequency high efficiency transition team and that's where terry looks like a guard right He's very good at grabbing the ball off the rim or getting an outlet pass and just turning and running. He's super fast in a straight line. Like, honestly, probably near the top of this class in terms of just like if you were to time him on a, you know, on a 200 meter dash, like he can really run in a straight line. Not super bursty, but can really run with a head of steam. Um, And he's good at that. He makes good transition passes. He makes good transition reads but he's not like a point guard. Like, and I don't think he really has point guard skills in the half court other than setting up play. Like he's very good at executing the offense and that has value, but I just, I don't think that's like it's good translate. I don't think he's a point guard is what I'm getting at. I think he's a point guard in the way Troy Brown Jr. was a point guard. 
um, and, you know, maybe more athletic than Troy Brown, but similar in that way, in that they're not really point guards. Uh, they both have similar shooting concerns as well. So um, hopefully I think the sell with Terry would be that maybe the defense can be a step ahead. So Coop, I'm going to throw this to you. Let's start with his on-ball defense. I want to split his defense into two parts. His on-ball defense, what did you think? I was kind of disappointed by his size and skinniness and length. Uh, not being a great point of attack guy. Uh, just anytime his man had the ball or was involved in the action, uh, he just has no idea how to navigate a screen as a defender. Anytime a screen is brought into a play, he just looks dumbfounded. Um, his screen nav is pretty bad for, uh, like I said, a, a six, five, six, six skinny guy. Um, I mean, it's like he's, and he's super instinctual. So if he like gets beat in any way, he is just going like, to, he doesn't, it's, it's almost if he doesn't see and read the floor, he just kind of moves. However, he thinks that the guy will move. And sometimes it works out really, really well. And other times it makes him look kind of weird or lost. Um, it's just, it's kind of tough. I think he's fine in an ISO. He has fine hands, fine feet. Uh, but I mean, in the NBA where, every team is running a, a pick and roll 400 times a game. Uh, it's kind of tough to have a, a guy who's a complete liability there. Just not my favorite. Uh, we'll talk about the off ball defense in a sec, but the, the on ball and the off ball was a completely different story, but the on ball uh, just kind of a letdown for someone with his uh, tools. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, on ball, I think it's not great. Uh, I, I think that he, um, can get out muscled. I, I think positional positioning, like foot wise, uh, not the best footwork, um, off ball, it's more promising, but, uh, yeah, I think on ball right now, it's not the best. And I mean, I think he's going to be, uh, you, he's going to be fine playable defensively because of, uh, the off ball stuff and if you're able to quote unquote hide him on an off ball guy for the majority of of defensive possessions I think he'll be okay and he'll be passable as a defender but um, I, I, he's not going to be like any sort of point of attack guy or you're not going to want him on like a heavy usage type guy because he's just not there as an on ball guy yeah I'm the same way uh, I thought the um, the screen nav was was very poor um just can kind of get hit really hard combination of skinniness and, and he doesn't get low very well. is something I know. Like, I don't love how he gets into a stance. I think he's kind of upright. He bends a lot at his back, not at his knees, kind of like Usman Jang. Um, you know, he's intense. He's, he moves like he, his hands are very, very good. Uh, but I, I don't love the on ball stuff. I think he's someone who you'd want to put maybe on like, like a third option. Cause he can do things like he could stop someone who you know at, at times but i don't think he's like someone you can put on a team's best score and call today so that takes me to the off-ball defense and and i think you know you kind of have to hope that's basically elite um if you're talking about him first round or even as some talk about him top 20 so coop where are you at with the off-ball defense i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's like elite uh but he's like pretty solid as a wing defender he's able i think i like his digs i like his stunts uh i like how he moves uh like with a purpose he shoots lanes pretty well i didn't think that he over gambled too much 
uh, and in the same vein, he's super instinctual. So sometimes he like won't be reading what the offense is actually doing. He'll just kind of float like wherever he feels he should be. Uh, it's kind of like, I can't really describe it, but if I, I can show you if like we watched film, what I'm attempting to describe. And it's really like a weird thing to watch, but I mean, he's, I think he's just like a solid off ball wing who can hold up fine and like, isn't going to get targeted. I don't think he's like the super elite defender uh, or like Swiss army knife that you're going to be able to plug in. I think he'll fit fine. He'll do what you need him to do. Uh, You know, he'll hit his rotations, won't mess everything up too badly. Uh, Wasn't super impressive, but was solid all around off ball. Yeah, Stone, uh, where, where are you sort of at with this off-ball defense? Sort of same range, I think. Um, like, solid, not great, not a liability. Um, more of like a uh, a guy you can feel comfortable um, if you put him in in a uh, rotation and, and not feel like you're going to be uh, a defensive mess. Um, so, but, I mean, that's always a positive, honestly, but uh, at the same time, I don't think he's going to be like much of a playmaker, off ball or anything, um, because he, he certainly isn't on ball. Um, so I think that like you're you're fine putting him on the floor uh, with guys who hopefully can handle more of the on ball stuff, and he can be uh, just sort of like a another body on the floor without getting in the way or, or messing anything up. Uh, and I think that is actually sort of a positive, but. Um, at the same time, he's, he's not, like, going to be making plays, and he's not, like, exceptional in that regard either. Yeah, I actually I actually did like his playmaking off ball. Uh, he can over-gamble a little bit, but I did like his general playmaking. Something I put was that I feel like the motor doesn't run as hot as he makes it look like it does. Um, he plays super intense, super loud. He's always pointing at the crowd and, and hyping people up, and I love that. Like, that is something I do think has value to teams even though i think it's maybe it i think it overcompensates like what motor actually is there are a lot of plays where the second he makes a mistake he kind of stops i think he does that a lot and i don't know if that's a he's disappointed in himself if he just assumes the play is over then i don't know what it is but there are times like especially so um is anytime azuas dubelis was in a ball screen they hard hedged right and when you hard hedge you have, you have very specific off-ball principles to how you're based on what side you're on. And there are times he's kind of zoning up the weak side and uh, there's someone who'd like someone who's the low man, who's there to help uh, cover for the big has to close out and Terry will kind of close out to the wrong guy, or they'll both close out to the same guy or something. And he'll just stop. Like he'll just stop playing. And you, you know, usually it doesn't look horrible because it's just, okay. So now it's a spot up three, but there are times where he's the guy who stops playing and then Justin Kyer runs to the corner, pushes him off the line. And then Dale and Terry still just standing there, gives up a back cut or gives up a relocation. Um, that's not to say he's low motor. He's not, he does run around, like I said, very fast, very kind of mobile in, in some ways. And, and I think that has value. I love how he flies around at times, but um, I don't want to be fooled by the slapping the floor and pumping the crowd up and stuff. Um, I think his execution of scheme is generally solid. His, the way he plays during 
uh, scramble situations real is really, really lacking to me. Uh, I tweeted a couple out where I'm just like, I feel like he's just not doing the right thing here. And it's pretty obvious. This isn't the right thing. And it's not that it's the wrong thing in the scheme. It's the wrong thing. Like just in a vacuum as he, as him being a player sort of in a scramble situation, he's just doing the wrong thing here, or he's not reading this floor. Right. And maybe that's stuff that'll come with age. You know, I, I forgot to mention it. That's my fault, but he is uh, only 19 years old. He'll turn 20 like right after the draft, uh, 15 days after the, or 19 days after the draft, excuse me, he'll turn 20. So maybe there's something there. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I was just not in love, I guess, with, with the defense in general. And that's how I feel about Terry in general. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about his value because he has risen up boards and I understand why. And I think there's a world where Dalen Terry returns top 10 value because he's a wing because he has skills, like he's not a completely unskilled bet on a run jump athlete. Like he's like, you know, slightly more skilled than someone like Josh Minot is, I suppose, though obviously less athletic. And that's not to just compare them as prospects, but he has skills and he is a wing. He's legitimate wing size with long arms and he gives a shit. I think he reads the floor. Okay. He can return top 20 value, but I don't, I'm not confident saying there's 20 players or he is better than, how do I want to word this? I personally think there are 20 better players in this class. And I think in most classes, there would be 30. And so for me, I give Terry, I have Terry with a second round grade, a priority second round grade. Like he's someone I would want at like 31, 32, something like that. But a second round grade, nonetheless, I think that there are a lot more players with just more sound like like players that i'd rather bet on like so like a jake laravia i think some people like I like terry more than laravia for me laravia is a better bet to shoot i think he's a better overall field player and he's stronger and a little bigger so it's like okay so there's something there um and and, and there's other guys like obviously terry's someone i really value and a couple months ago, I would have been higher on it than everyone else. He shot up boards and good for him. I'm very happy. If he gets taken top 20, I don't think it's like a horrible move. Cause again, I think there are multiple worlds. He returns top 20 value. This isn't, you know, for me taking Ochai Baji top 20, where I feel like he's very unlikely to return that type of value. But uh, I just, I'm just a little lower stone. I know you're kind of with me, but where are you at with Terry's overall value? Yeah, I think right now I would categorize him more as like a priority second for me. Um, somewhere in like the early to mid 30s is, is probably where I'll, I'll fall on him um, for most of the same reasons. Like I, I, I think that he's kind of more, there, there's more like idea to grasp onto with him than reality with him in terms of what he currently is. And I think he can meet those expectations one day. It's not unprobable but uh between you know the, the various concerns that we brought up today I, I think that i am just not quite there um so I, he's a worthwhile um guy and he's still like relatively young so i'm not going to discredit that either but uh i would i would be willing to take that bet ahead of most of the other guys we talked about today just because I think he's he's got more room to develop, and I think that there's more interesting skills there. But um, I think that he overall is is 
for me, not a guy I would be looking to take in that top 20 range or probably even first round. Yeah, I don't want to just repeat everything y'all are saying, but um, just not like he's, I, I don't, I understand the rise kind of because the idea of him is a lot more interesting than the idea of someone like a LaRavia. I think the reality of LaRavia is way better than the reality of Dale and Terry, like at this moment. Uh, but the idea of a point guard slash wing, almost like a, a wing initiator who can also play off ball and kind of defend high motor, all that kind of stuff. Like that idea is just super, super ingrained. Uh, I don't think I'm all the way there with Terry. Um, I think he's really interesting. I, and I have him in, I finally got around to naming my tiers. I'm very proud of it. And uh, you both, <laughs> um, they, they, he is in the exact same tier for all three of us as a priority second rounder. Uh, I, I don't think I could take him in the first round unless it's like a late first and you're a team that he can really fit with and really gel with your, your principles and what you're trying to do. But uh, for most teams, I mean, you take a bet on a, a he might be my, my top second rounder uh, because I think that at some point a wing who can play off ball, maybe initiate some sets for you, do cool shit. Uh, and to the degree Terry can with his athleticism, uh, he's worth a pretty high shot, just not the, the, you know, mid to late first shot that some people seem to think, in my opinion. Yeah, so I think we're all mostly on the same page. Sorry to disappoint y'all by agreeing, but uh, I think we're all mostly there. Let's rank these guys. Um, I'll go first again because I don't want to put y'all on the spot. Uh, this was kind of hard for me. Um, in, in some ways, but I, I think I'm happy with where I ended up. So um, I don't have any of these guys with the first round grade. Um, they are all kind of second round bets to me. The closest is David Roddy. Um, I think he is probably going to be my second priority second right behind Josh Minot. Um, the blend in this draft, honestly, between late first and early second, super close, super, you know, like, is there a world where I take Roddy over like Julian Champagny, who I have a tier above him? Maybe, honestly. And, and I don't know what that says. Am I, you know, but like, or even Branham, like I'm lower on Branham, but like, do I want to put him in the second round? I don't know. Like this class feels so kind of poor that I'm struggling to draw my line between first and second round, but David Roddy's my top guy followed literally directly by Dalen Terry and then EJ Liddell. So those three guys all in the same tier at the top. And then Tevin Brown, uh, I have draftable, sort of in my last tier of draftable players. And then um, uh, the final two, Keon Ellis and uh, Darion Sebron, or Darion Sebron, excuse me, uh, both undrafted. Um, and both, I'm like, not even my top undrafted wings. Like I prefer Geo Baker, Jamal Bienemy and Jordan Hall to Keon Ellis. And I prefer quite a few other guys, including someone who we're going to talk about on a second on his own team uh, to Durian Sebron. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Coop, do you want to give us your ranking? Yeah, uh, we're finally slightly different. This isn't just going to be the three of us saying the same thing over and over again, uh, barely, because I have EJ and David Roddy in my solid first round guys, like late 
like end of the first uh, first round grade type guys. I have EJ and then two spots down, I have Roddy. And then as my first and third priority second rounders, I have Dalen Terry and then Tevin Brown. Um, I think for the right team, Tevin Brown should be, you know, your top uh, second round guy. And then in my solid second round, probably would like, I would love to get this guy in UDFA, but probably wouldn't buy a pick or spend any amount of draft capital on him. I have Darion Sebron. And then in the UDFA tier, I have Keon Ellis at the very top, but still in my UDFA tier. I have uh, EJ um, pretty much like head and shoulders above everybody. Um, not, I mean, I'm not crazy high on him. I have him like uh, early 20s, so like solidly in my first round. Um, after that, I have Terry, uh, like I said, probably early mid 30s. Um, I think is probably where I'll land on him. Uh, so like a priority second. Um, and then after that, the rest of the guys are very tightly bunched together for me. Um, I have Tevin Brown and then David Roddy. Uh, uh, excuse me, Tevin Brown and then and then Sebron and then Roddy and then Keon Ellis. And they're all very closely knit together for me. There's no like, um, I, I'm not like married to those rankings by any means. I could be convinced to flip them one way or another, but uh, th- those guys are sort of bunched up for me right there as solid second rounders, not uh, not guys I would want to wait to drop in undrafted free agency, but also guys I probably wouldn't prioritize over someone like David Terry. So that, that's just my rankings of those guys. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair. Um, all right, let's go um, however quickly we want through these tail of the tape guys. My guy is Jericho Hellums. Um, Hellums really impressed me while watching um, while watching uh, NC State twice this year. Um, he is listed at 6'7". I don't think he's 6'7". 205. I think he's probably more than 205. He's uh, in the draft this year. He's 22 years old. He's going to turn 23 like right before his rookie season starts. So age 23 rookie, but uh, I'm a fan of his game. Um, 13.7 points on pretty, you know, rough looking efficiency, 38.9, 39, 84.3 shooting splits, um, but just does some funky stuff. I think he can really shoot. I think he is a very, very high level wing shooter. Um, he's strong. He is very, very just like, like he absorbs contact super well. Um, he has these funky moments of creation that definitely aren't going to translate, but make me think there's something maybe beneath the surface surface there where he'll put a dribble move on and and use his strength to get by someone the touch is great he scores in the post sometimes that's obviously not something that's going to translate um you know every time every every year there's a couple guys i identify as uh maybe pj tucker and as funny as that sounds i think it's a very important thing like what what's something that every every fucking team in the nba could use pj tucker no matter who you are you are happy to have PJ Tucker on your team and you're upset if you have to play against PJ Tucker. So obviously very few of the guys I identify as maybe PJ Tucker actually end up anywhere close to PJ Tucker, but that's the point of, of identifying that group is that if you hit the one and you get that diamond in the rough, you might have something. And Helms has that 
three-point shooting with the with the um with the strength i think he's a pretty intense defender he's okay rotationally um kind of slow uh but i i think there's at least something there i think he's worth bringing into summer league and seeing what you have there um i'm, I'm a fan for what he is uh coop do you want to uh do your guy Yes, I'm going to be doing uh, Geo Baker out of Rutgers, uh, fifth year senior. So his his if he plays in the NBA, he will be a 24 year old rookie. Uh, that's official Dilf age. That so I mean that's pretty exciting. He and, he and uh, Duarte can just have fun like at team yeah. meetings playing shuffleboard or something. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna wear their their uh, their knee high socks and their suspenders and, and play shuffleboard together. It's gonna be awesome. Their Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> hey, what do you what do you got against Hawaiian shirts, buddy? Okay, you're calling out half my wardrobe. Uh, but uh, you know, he's a scoring guard. He's really able to create his own shot off the dribble. Can hit tough ones. Can get into the mid range. Uh, only. Uh, his uh, non-rim two-point percentage, or his non-rim two-point attempts uh, via Bart, only nine point four percent were assisted. So that, he self-created about ninety-one percent of his non-rim two-point attempts, of which there were one hundred twenty-eight total. Uh, that's kind of nuts. So pretty solid self-creation, solid passer, twenty-two point five assist rate, low turnover guy. Uh, is able to control the ball, control his passes, has been a low turnover guy for all five years of, of his uh, extended college experience. Uh, you know, someone who maybe you bring in for a summer league, you see if he's got like the culture fit with your team, with your young guys, uh, see if he's going to be able to, you know, fit with your G League team or maybe as your, your 15th man, sort of as some, some instant offense, your stars go down, your guys go down. Maybe you bring in Geo Baker, got solid size, not going to absolutely get destroyed on defense. Give him a shot. You know, I don't think he's draftable, but he's funky and fun. Stone's going to kill me for suggesting Geo Baker maybe isn't draftable, but it's. Okay. I, will, I will say, I legitimately think if Geo Baker was 21 his rookie year, and like he would be draftable for me. And it's too bad because I thought like he's basically been the same guy. So like I I kind of wish he would have left he's and just, potentially been draftable yeah. a couple of years ago. But now that he's older, it's obviously a little less likely because even if you're older, it does take you a second to learn sort of NBA schemes and stuff. But I do really like Geo Baker. Yeah, yeah. he's up to uh, his. The only thing he's really improved is his uh, his shooting percentages, and even that's like incremental. So yeah, uh, I am fully against this slander against Rutgers' best prospect, but. Um, He's we'll not Clifford on. Omaruyi. Let's <laughs> let's just make that very clear here. <laughs> uh, I hate you. Um, okay, so I'm gonna go with Jules Bernard uh, for UCLA. Um, I actually do think that he might be draftable. Um, he uh, really solid defender uh, as a shooting guard uh, for for UCLA. Um, I think he's a pretty decent shooter uh not great but i think that um the tools are there for him to be serviceable as a shooter uh more as a catch and shoot guy um very strong um very good at taking contact absorbing through it um pretty decent rebounder too for his size like his frame is solidly built so i think he uses that pretty well um fine passer like not 
great, but not terrible. Um, there's a, a lot of things that the Bernard does that's kind of just like meh, but he's also not a liability in a lot of areas too. So um, I, I think Bernard has a chance to be um, some sort of rotation player in the NBA. Uh, how likely that is, I'm not sure. I wouldn't give it a super high percentage, but I think that it's more likely than a lot of other names that are probably going to be thrown around as um, drafted free agents or end of the draft type guys. So um, I think Bernard is a decent uh, take somewhere near the end of the draft, um, but he, uh, I, I think he's got to be improved in some way or another to really like hang his hat as a as a guy, especially offensively. Yeah, I just wish I just wish Bernard was like really good at one thing. You know what I mean? Like I love I love the general idea of him. Like I think he's a solid isolation defender who doesn't mess up the scheme. I think he can shoot. Um just he just doesn't do anything that's great and he's not a great athlete. He's kind of small. I'd be shocked if he's above 6'4. So probably a little below draftable for me. I'd bring him into summer league. I'd give him a Julie contract, see what he is. But um, yeah, I, I think I think that's about good, guys. Um, this has been great. Uh, I'm very happy with our analysis here. Um, stay tuned um, for our next pod, which is uh, obviously we're doing the daily pods, but our next scout pod, which should be up probably three, four days after you listen to this, if, if we're diligent about our film watching. Um, it's going to have guys like John Butler, Max Christie, and some other kind of freshmen who we were waiting to hear, would they stay in, would they go back and they stayed in and, and because they stayed in, we're going to give them a watch. So be tuned for that. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of high school tape in that one, a lot of FIBA. So if you're into that stuff, be excited. If, if you only watch their college season and you're wondering like, why are they one and done? Then I think that's also going to be a good resource. So, uh, this has been great, uh, for, Coop at Alley underscore Oop underscore Coop for Stone Out Report underscore Court. Uh, give us a like, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Um, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. You can follow us at Upside Swings everywhere you get your stuff. Join us live on the NBA draft when that day comes. Um, we're going to do a big draft show. Uh, hopefully, my voice will be um, doing all right by then because right now it is uh, it's a little rough. I'm getting a little gravelly. Uh, but this has been the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. We hope we're ceiling. Thank you. We once again like to thank our sponsors at GlobalShopSolution.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thank you.